0: It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. I really only have to say two words to make you watch this show. Amy and Brianna. Amy Webb and Brianna Wu are guests. This is a early recording because of the 4th of July, but we have lots to talk about. Amazon's getting a new CEO. We'll take a look back at the career of Jeff Bezos. A ransomware attack hitting hundreds of companies thanks to another supply chain failure. A Windows Zero Day and a whole lot more. It's all coming up next on TWIT. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This This is TWIT. Twit. This is TWIT. This Week in Tech. Episode 830. Recorded Saturday, July 3rd, 2021. Meet us in Singapore. It's time for TWIT this week in... Tech, where we cover the week's tech news. A little bit different today because Sunday is the 4th of July. <clears throat> I looked back. I, you know, Lisa told me a couple of weeks ago, oh, no show on Sunday. I said, what do you mean? She said, it's the 4th of July. I said, we don't miss a show. What are you talking about? And, and I, she said, oh, we always miss it on the 4th. I said, what do you mean? So I looked back. There has only, in the 15 years of this show, there's only been one other time the show was on the 4th of July. And we did the show on the 3rd, so I thought, okay, there's a precedent. So we're doing this today on Saturday the 3rd. Let's hope thing. no big news breaks in the next 24 hours. Uh, and, of course, I'm thrilled because we were able to get two wonderful people to share their Saturday evenings with us. First, Brianna Wu, good to see you from the executive director of the Rebellion Pack. Brianna Wu on Twitter. Hi, Brianna.
1: So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You look so good.
0: What did you do? Are you doing noon? Are you doing anything... Uh-
1: I am. Uh, so last year I had reconstructive knee surgery. Uh, they Ow. actually drilled six holes through Ow. my patella. I could not walk for three months and I just put on a ton of weight uh, after that. And, uh, you know, I started, I did noom to start losing it. And as long as I figured it out, it's like just write down what you eat, keep the it's calories easy. lower. Yeah. And I just decided to keep going until uh, I was back to my yep. high school weight. Yeah, yeah. Thank you.
0: High school weight. Wow. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Lisa's done the same thing. She's on Noon. We're both on Noon. She's done a little yeah. bit better than I have. But she's Do you good.
1: find it's a little like the lessons? I find the oh. longer you do the lessons, they get a I little... I stopped. I yeah. stopped. Because yeah.
0: they're, they're cutesy. Yeah. I feel like they're being written for, yo- for young women or something. They're I not, agree. They're not agree. aimed at... Uh, they should have a setting that says leave out the cute just give me the facts because the information is great it's a cbt it's cognitive Mm -hmm. behavioral therapy they they help you understand why you overeat and how you're overeating and and become aware, mindful of the whole right. thing, and it's very—it works, but it's a little cutesy. I agree.
1: <laughs> that was very much my experience because yeah. it's like even like when you've been doing it three months, the lessons start being like, "And you can do it. We believe in you. Yeah, here, lessons. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm doing like, it. It's I'm fine. here. I'm here. I'm, I'm doing here. It. I'm, I'm good. Here. Tell me about nutrition. No, I stopped
0: doing the lessons. I keep. I just continue to record, and it works. It really is effective. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's amazing. Yeah,
0: I'm, you look great. I'm so glad you working.
1: Thank you. Me. That's great. You do too, Leo.
0: You didn't have to say that. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> that was that was one of those. After the fact, you look great too. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's a, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> hey, it's great also to welcome Amy Webb. We love Amy Webb, and she is celebrating tonight. CEO of Future Today Institute at Amy Webb, and she's going on her first vacation. When's the last vacation you went on?
2: First of all, I believe in vacations. So what I'm about to say does not mean that I don't think vacations are important. This is not just, the
0: future. This is not the future we'll be living in.
2: No, no, no. Just between books and family and work. Um, I think this is the first vacation where I don't have to give a speech. Or I should say I don't have the privilege of giving a speech yes. or, <laughs> or meeting with a client. Yes. Um, I think in about 10 years. <gasps>
0: Oh my so, God! Wow. See, I burn yeah. out. I uh, and and because of COVID, we haven't gone on yeah. any vacations. Or I
2: mean, we take little like, the I you know I get but pre-COVID, I was traveling all over the world, so we would sort of t- you know we didn't really do a true vacation because we were always in a new city or a new right. country, um, and we just tack on a few days. Um, so this is the first time that I'm like going to be just no work. Uh, You're not for- bringing any
0: digital equipment with you.
2: You know, I was I was gonna bring a Kindle, and I decided I really hate reading on a Kindle. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so no, I've got an iPad because uh, oh, right. I'm a big uh, Rush and prog rock fan, and uh, there's a <laughs> concert I decided I wanted to watch at some point on the plane. I know, whatever. Don't don't make fun.
0: <laughs> oh, I love Rush. In okay. fact. In fact, I use them as the poster child for why not all Apple spatial audio mixes are good, and why Apple's oh, Lute- yeah, Bluetooth totally. headphones are terrible. Tom Sawyer, which is an amazing song, yeah. given there's only three people playing it, you
2: need the beginning, you, that beginning, you need, you need the yeah. the sound to be right. Totally. And
0: they offer it as a, a spa- as one of their you know poster children for their new spatial mix. And huh. it sounds horrible on the AirPod Pro and the AirPod oh, Pro really? Max, but if you get wow. good headphones, it sounds fine.
2: <laughs> I've got I've got a pair of Bose headphones. There you go. And, uh, It'll sound better. So we'll
0: Bluetooth. I think Bluetooth know? is not good for music, to be honest. With
2: no, you. it's not. Oh. Did you know? Sidebar: um, There's a new documentary that uh, Dave Grohl has out on one of the networks, maybe Netflix or maybe Amazon. It's called Cradle to Stage. Have you no. seen this yet? So Getty. So basically, it's like. Dave Grohl's mom had a book come out, whatever. So, And the, it's not the greatest show. There's a lot of problems. But he does interview musicians and their moms. So there's an episode oh, with Getty, Getty Lee. And he's, you hear, the, I mean... She tells this story about surviving the Holocaust and like wow. what the whole family went through. And then there's a really weird transition to Dave Grohl's daughter wanting to become a musician. But <laughs> uh, it's pretty amazing. And Getty is like super, super interesting. There's also oh, an episode, yes. highly recommended, featuring Tom Morello and his mother. Tom Morello's mom is a badass. Oh my God, that woman is so cool. Yeah, so totally off topic, but highly recommended if you're looking for something to do on July 3rd. If you're listening today, which is a holiday, it's it's National Fried Clam Day. So there you go.
0: <laughs> my favorite. There is a wonderful uh rush documentary on Netflix if you haven't seen it, time stand still that I really enjoyed.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. I'll download it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, I love yeah, that you should watch on the plane.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's
0: that. really, really good. Wow, we haven't done any tech news and then it's already we're six minutes in. <laughs> this is my I can kind keep going. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're going to because uh, one of the stories, uh, probably our biggest story of the week, is that uh, this is the week that Jeff Bezos will step down as CEO of Amazon. Uh, and, you know, Andy Jassy will be taking over. Kind of, he's been a longtime Amazon guy. But the question in a lot of people's minds is, Can is Andy going to bring to the table what Jeff Bezos, unquestionably what Jez, Jeff Bezos, Brought uh, the guy who wrote the Everything Store and has a new book about Jeff Bezos did an opinion piece in today's uh, New York Times. He calls it the Jeff Bezos paradox. We're talking about Brad Stone, uh, and he says, "Let me see if I could find the." Uh, he says, "I've written two books, including the one you just read, which I'm going to ask you about, chronicling Amazon's history. I've come to the to view both the company's never-ending expansion." And declining reputation as byproducts of Mr. Bezos' personality, his towering intellect, along with a notable deficit of empathy and fear of stasis. (laughs) So those are the three kind of, he says, and this is a guy who studied Bezos more than almost anybody, his three kind of pillars of his personality and of the company as a result. Brilliant guy. Nobody questions Amazon's strategy has been perfect, almost perfect, except for the fire phone uh but also as it's it's the most becoming the most successful company one of the most successful companies in the history um it's also getting a lot of heat for its poor treatment of its employees that's he no. says because of Bezos's own lack of empathy and of maybe perhaps moving too fast or trying too many things uh and and that's Jeff's fear of stasis he he wants it always day 1 is his kind of his saying he never wants it to be the second day of a company it's always the first day of the company he says day two is stasis followed by irrelevance followed by excruciating painful decline followed by death which seems a little that's jeff talking not brett that's a little extreme uh what do you think is that is that uh, let me let me start with uh you brianna and then because amy's read the book that we have yet to read which is the new amazon (laughs) Uh, Do you think what do you think of Jeff Bezos as as the head of Amazon? You
1: know, it's so hard because the political part of me is kind of appalled by a lot of the way he treats workers. Right. Um, I saw this firsthand running for Congress. The tech part of me is really um, in admiration of the way he keeps pushing uh, the boundaries on what his company can be. Look at uh, Amazon Prime Video. When that came out, I thought that was stupid. I would bet you probably did too. And now all these years later, it's like, uh, you know, Apple is doing this. All these different things are doing a video service. Look at his plays in the video game industry. Um, every single game Amazon has put out has been a financial disaster. Uh, they've dumped tons of money into it. It's gone nowhere. But that's that refusal to uh, just sit still and and stagnate. I really, really respect that. So I think he's very much a, a man of contradictions. And I think uh, that empathy quote, it it really comes through in uh, looking at the history of the company.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, there'll be big shoes to fill though, right? Yeah. One of the things that's kind of interesting uh, as Jeff Bezos steps away from Amazon, Thursday, the company changed its list of corporate values Um, and, and, to, and added some things that maybe Jeff Bezos would not have wanted to add. The new leadership principles. This is, From an article in Bloomberg by Matt Day a couple of days ago. The new leadership principles strive, these are two new ones, strive to be the earth's best employer and success and scale bring broad responsibility. These two new principles require employees to take into account the well-being of their coworkers and society beyond the company's walls when making decisions uh which is i think kind of interesting as jeff bezos steps down suddenly they get some empathy uh you so you've read amazon unbound amy you were saying it's really good
2: so i have many many thoughts um first of all i've read excerpts of it in the excerpts so Brad's well, you're a, taking
0: it on vacation with you yeah
2: to read. so brad is such a good writer he really uh, is. he's phenomenal his um, first
0: book the everything store was really by the way bezos And his wife hated it. His ex-wife hated it. In fact, Mackenzie famously put a very nasty review on Amazon's site of the (laughs) Everything Store. But really, the nastiness came down to it was too accurate.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Listen, Brad's a really good reporter. He's a very good character-driven. I mean, he's a very, very good writer. I've read excerpts of the book and... I couldn't put it down, so I decided to. This is my treat for myself yes. for vacation. But Good let me say just a couple of things. So, um, so going back to what you said initially and what Brad says in the op-ed, um, you know that Bezos is kind of the 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 intersecting vector of intellect, uh, lack of empathy, and and fear of stasis is is Bezos. But you know, I think you could say that of many, many, many CEOs. So my, you know, what I do for a living, I'm a futurist, but I'm a management consultant and my company advises the CEOs and the C-suites of enormous corporations all over the world and governments and our elected people. Um, I would say that those three criteria um, also describe lots of CEOs that I work with. Um, and a lot of them fear death. A lot of them feel like they're running out of time. Oh, interesting. Um, that, do you, you think know, that's a and, trait
0: that makes you a good CEO?
2: You know, I would. I don't know that it's mandatory, um, but I would say that I, I do see this among lots of the executives that we work hmm. with. Hmm. There's also another. Pe- but I, what's what separates Jeff from everybody else? I think is the drive, and he he has he invests himself in thinking about the longer term future and that that is difficult to do because it takes courage to confront the future to imagine yourself and your organization in the biggest possible terms in the future and you know the new principles i think are pretty interesting but for totally different reasons the word earth is in there did you notice that leo it wasn't in previous ones but they're now talking about the planet Earth.
0: that's about right? climate you, change you think or no
2: i i think that's about uh, i think that's an overt um announcement of global expansion oh. expansion and oh. pretty soon intergalactic maybe not intergalactic but <laughs> oh um, but expansion off planet is what i think is happening and, and one just last quick thing well jeff
0: because he he runs blue origin is very much yeah. about space exploration mm-hmm. right
2: right and the space economy there's you know so we we FTI produces an annual t- tech trends report and we did in 2021 this year's had it was a uh, 12 volumes anyways in the this is the volume that just deals with technology trends having to do with um health medical and wearables amazon is so doing so much in this space that we had to to write an entire section about all of the different things that amazon's wow. doing and my point is i think what is I think what makes the company so prof- interesting and Jeff such a profound leader Beautiful. is that they are completely disrupting so many different industries from pharmaceuticals to logistics to you know you name it. Um and I and another way listen some of the the, the human rights the the employee complaints you know are are certainly Important and should be looked at. I think we also need to to acknowledge that humanity is in this period of transmission, uh, transition, and also transmission, <laughs> but transition. We're we're moving from uh, people doing things to people and machines doing things together, to machines and cognitive systems making decisions and and telling the humans what to do. And pretty soon, the humans won't be in the loop anymore. Um, and collaborative robots will will do a lot of that manual work for us. So,
0: and we may look back and say Amazon started that all with uh, Alexa. <laughs> I mean,
2: that's certainly part of it. Yeah. Uh, but the but the other piece of this is all of the warehouse technology. You know, Amazon's AWS is it highly
0: automated the warehouses.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, yes. But in um, so yes, but what is automated? It's the Decisions that otherwise would have been made by people.
0: The humans uh, are just to pick labor. The
2: humans are the robots. <laughs> That's the right. Robots. That's right.
0: Wow. That's a yeah. weird uh, flip-flop. By the way, I have all 3,300 oh. <laughs> volumes of this. I highly recommend the digital download, which is free to everybody uh, at the Future Today Institute website because I can barely lift this. I asked yeah, Dad, it's pretty big. I asked Dan to run and get it, and he kind of hands it to me with his pinky. And I, yeah. Look at that. And I went... <laughs> But this is That's- actually a great read. Uh, really fantastic. So well done uh, Thank you. on that. And it was nice of you to divide it into chunks because I don't think I could lift the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. So um, I'll, let me read you. This is the the, the uh, one of the new principles um, that Amazon has now adopted as of Thursday. Quote, we are big. We impact the world. And we are far from perfect we must be humble and thoughtful about even the secondary effects of our actions. Our local communities, planet, planet, and future yeah. generations need us to be better every day. That's actually lofty. That's a great goal. And it's an acknowledgment of how impactful Amazon is, not just in the U.S. economy, but on the global economy.
1: I guess I would find that more credible if they hadn't just invested a ton of resources to squash a unionizing effort uh, in a way that I and I think a lot of other people found to be really, really concerning. You know, I I, I was thinking about what you were saying, Amy, and I think this is so interesting. And I, I don't mean to get political here, but... You know, in the last few years, I think a lot of us have thought about the trait of, you know, narcissism and a lack of empathy in our leaders. And, you know, I think we've seen the effects of that in high government positions. If, you know, Bezos kind of has that as well, and you're telling me that's something that is a common occurrence, that kind of lack of empathy in the highest levels of leadership, that's... It, it makes sense to me. Like, imagine everything you could get done if you didn't have to to care about people or the, the effects in your wake. If that's something that's kind of a congenital to these higher level positions, I mean, it explains a lot, but I think it also, it makes me pessimistic that, you know, these lofty uh, goals that they're going to put in a marketing slogan might result in not squashing Indians.
0: Is it, Amy, well, the case that yeah. uh, companies founders tend to be more like that and that at some point in the uh, natural evolution of a business, the founders are replaced by people who are a little bit, (laughs) I don't know, more sedate. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I just back on what Brianna said. So I would say narcissism and lack of empathy are adjacently or orthogonally related maybe, but not necessarily the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you stop and think about and sort of reverse engineer what it takes to build a company like Amazon or Tesla or you know Apple, pick any any company you want. That's the, you know Facebook. Um, you know, you you have to be willing to make great sacrifices, uh, whether that's in your family or the relationships that that you might have. And and if you reverse engineer, what would it take to make that kind of a sacrifice, right? you would have to feel a little less than mm-hmm. other people. Um, and so I think probably some of this must be uh, qualities that you're born with. Um, I, I, th- I think a lack of empathy would be probably difficult to cultivate, um, especially if, if the main goal of that was to you know have an amazing isn't that, company.
0: Isn't that sociopathy uh, ultimately mm-hmm. at, its, at, at its most uh, extreme? Isn't that become... You know, this, yeah you know.
2: I mean uh, you know I listen I, I'm not qualified in any way to talk about um, people's personalities I can just tell you what I've observed based on all of the work that I do with the, you know these executives um, most of the, the people that I work with at the highest levels of business and government I would say um, have what you would expect which is just unparalleled, just unbridled drive, mm-hmm. um, which again, you, it's, you could try to cultivate that, but you either, you know, you have it or you don't. Um, they have a, a fear of stasis and many of them seem, you know, when we've discussed it, it's a fear of not having enough time to get accomplished what they want to accomplish. Obviously, they're very, very smart. And then there's this other piece um, where they're willing to take risks or make decisions that people who have just lots of empathy may, may not do.
0: This is going to verge into uh, the realm of um, armchair psychology. But Forbes uh, had a piece a few years ago called The Psychopathic CEO. And and they quote a study that said, uh, you know, in the average uh, population, about 1% of people are clinically psychopathic. Roughly 4 to as high as 12% of CEOs are psychopathic. 15% is the rate found in prisons. So there is some evidence that CEOs tend to have those traits particularly lack of empathy and a dr- and drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it makes you know I, I it think, makes sense just yeah. in the you know generalized point of view. Go ahead, Brianna.
1: No, I was just going to say you know, all 3 of us here have existed in the startup world, right? Like and I think a commonality I see with people working in startups is a You want to put your values into action. Right, like you see something in the world and it doesn't exist, and you want to create a company your way. Leo, here at Twit, it's hard for me not to notice you. I've never seen a show you've done that you don't have an underrepresented group on. I imagine that's something you sit down and you're like,
0: we do these are purpose. our values
1: yeah. that that's your values, yeah. right? right?" For me, the way I run Rebellion, there are certain values that I stick to. Uh, same thing with my games. Credit studios. to Lisa so, on
0: that, by the way, because I am completely sure. I'm a psychopath, so. <laughs>
1: No, but my point is, I don't think you can necessarily link like the, I mean, maybe at the highest levels, it gives you a certain edge because there is a a human cost, especially on the labor side. Um, But I can just, I can see that being a superpower where if you just don't have to care about your workforce, if you, you know, just care about market share at no, um, at all cost, I can just, I can see that being the factor that puts you over the top and makes you win.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: If
2: you're but, if you, if you, if anybody really wants to like take a deep dive down this rabbit hole at some point, John Ronson, who's another really great yes, writer,
0: the Psychopath wrote, Test.
2: Yeah, yeah, he wrote the Psychopath Test. It's it's terrific.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah, know, makes it makes perfect sense. But again, uh, my question is, isn't that something that, that you see in early stages of companies, especially startups, that doesn't well, yeah, doesn't then, wear well in the long term? And maybe Andy Jassy coming along. This is at a you know right. kind of a natural transition. For Amazon, from the founder, the you know the kind of uh, driven founder to something more humane.
2: But yeah. Andy was employee what number six or
0: something? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's early early days guy. Right.
2: So I mean, in most cases, there's a number two who's been there the entire time, who is acting as a translator, um, you know, or the connective tissue who understands the founder but also understands humans. Um, you know, I think we see that at, at lots and lots of companies, uh, f- again, from like Tesla to, you know, Sh- Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook. I, I mean, I, I think I think we see that behind every incredibly successful CEO is like an incredibly perceptive, you know, is a person who knows how to connect that CEO and their vision to the rest of the company.
0: Jassy, yeah. who will be the CEO on Monday, there's a piece about him uh, in the, the Wall Street Journal in which they say he is, people who have closely with him describe him as soft-spoken and approachable. Some say he's more even-keeled with employees than uh, Mr. Bezos. Um, he's detailed-focused, which psychopaths, or I'm sorry, CEOs, typic, startup CEOs are often not mm-hmm. so detailed-focused. Um, in fact, that's one of the th- complaints that Brad Stone mentions uh, in his op-ed piece is that Bezos is always looking at the next thing. And so as a result, the last thing kind of loses focus. It
2: doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter
0: right. anymore. And he says, this is why maybe the Amazon store has become riddled with fraud, fraudulent reviews, fraudulent sellers, because it's not. But that I, I would f-
2: argue that that's but that's not you know, there, there's this is the problem. There's the chief executive officer, which is what CEO stands for. And then there's the visionary person who's both the leader and the, the founder and the lead idea generator. Um, you know, sometimes if you, you, you don't have both skills and at some point when you go beyond that vision, then you need, you know, you need to have that chief executive in there. And the chief executive is a management, an executive manager.
0: Yeah. We look at um, Apple who was replaced Steve like, jobs, who was kind of the quintessential <laughs> psychopath <laughs> Yeah, with Tim cook, who was the quintessential right. operations guy.
2: That's right. So I think maybe for anybody who's listening, um, the the insight and the takeaway here is, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're somebody who's a founder, you know, there's probably lessons to learn from both both groups of people, from the psychopaths and from the operators. <laughs> yeah,
0: you need both. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jobs was smart enough, and it looks like uh, Jeff was smart enough to have a number two or somebody around to cultivate that person and cultivate yeah. that person, mm-hmm. knowing that he's going to need an operations guy now That's and right. someday perhaps to run it. What is your experience, Amy, with Uh, the boards because jeff bezos will continue as chairman of the board yeah how much operational influence will he have
2: um so again you know a lot of these boards of directors they start to get nervous well they get nervous for all kinds of reasons i mean at some point steve they didn't like steve Jobs so much they got nervous about what he was doing they fired him him. yeah right so you know ultimately it's the the vision i think there's there's some belief that the vision can't be replicated i mean you, you you know it it Comes from that person, um, and when that person leaves, some of that vision goes away. You you know, you you need the vision, and that's that's hard to replicate. Um, finding an an extraordinary CEO who is a an operator, who's a manager, who can be, who can work with that um, visionary, and eventually take over for them. You know, there are many many more talented CEOs than there are true visionaries. Um, so yeah. I think boards. You know, my my hunch is Bezos isn't going anywhere. Um, he's just he's just not doing the. Well, he is going to space.
0: Management.
2: He's going, yeah. <laughs>
0: Which, by Eventually. the way, if he were CEO and I were the board member, I would have said, under no circumstances are you allowed <laughs> to strap a giant explosive to your yeah. ass and fire yeah. yourself into space. That's just not going to happen. Is
2: Branson uh, still the CEO of uh, Virgin? Oh,
0: that's interesting. I doubt he is hands on day to day. Okay. Yeah, so that's the funny thing. Bezos announced he's going into space, uh, what is it, the 22nd. And so Branson (laughs) says, I'm going into space the 11th. (laughs) That is, by the way, another quintessential hallmark of these high-end CEOs is their competitiveness. Yeah. 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 I mean, who the hell cares who's the first to go into space? Or who has, very famously, the tallest yacht? Uh,
1: Larry Ellison...
0: (laughs) built a yacht with his mast just a little bit taller than the number 2 guy in fact so much taller that he couldn't get it under the bay bridge anymore <laughs> but he wanted the tallest yacht yeah that's just dumb
1: absolutely you know I- you no, know, yeah. I just wanted sorry. to say, Go ahead, I, like, uh, no, thanks. Uh, I just wanted to say we had this discussion a lot when, you know, Steve Jobs sadly passed away. And, um, you know, obviously Tim Cook took over and there were a lot of naysayers saying, you know, this is the end of Apple. Tim Cook obviously had much more of a, a background in logistics. And there were people asking if he was going to have the vision to keep the company uh, going. Apple did several things. Uh, they instituted Apple University to kind of codify the lessons that they had learned under the Steve Jobs era to kind of facilitate that kind of visionary leadership. And what I hear from a lot of my engineer friends that work at Apple is it actually improved in the post-job years because this kind of... uh, tolerance for a-holes. It was just a lot... I hope I can say that, Leo. Uh, but it was just... It was not as, as far tolerated as I'm concerned, on these teams. Great. It's
0: the perfect word.
1: <laughs> you know, um, I, I think in a lot of ways, Apple ended up getting bigger and uh, better. And I think uh, Amazon, more than Apple, is less dependent on you know product hits and more on a supply chain like going into further and further markets. So I think that is a more... I don't want to diminish this, but it's a more fungible skill. It's less dependent on like a Steve Jobs type, I think. I, I would disagree
2: on that because I Amazon isn't a product-based company, whereas Apple is very much tied... Apple is its products. Mm-hmm. Amazon is very much not its traditional products. Amazon is a enormous... I mean, Amazon is the invisible infrastructure now powering enormous parts of everyday life um, That that range from you know, huge parts of our economy to, uh, to logistics, to, you know, web hosting, to literally to pharmaceuticals and medicine and, and, you know, I could Mm -hmm. go on and on. So I'm, I don't know, I would be curious to know what's actually going on over there. Um, I mean, it's hard not to also look at the change over at Amazon um, in the same, you know, while also looking at some personal decisions that Bezos made, um, kind of, sort of around the same time. Uh, so, you know, we we have these enormous tech companies. You think companies he's having a midlife States.
0: crisis? Is that what you're saying?
2: Um, You know, I didn't say that, Leo. You
0: said that just now. But uh, it might be. He started lifting weights.
2: You know what happens when when boys have their midlife crises? They they buy the fast car and they try to drive it real fast. And Jeff is driving real fast to space.
0: When you're the richest man in the world, your your fast car could be pretty fast.
2: It could be really fast. It can you know be be uh, suborbital. Um. So so yeah. But there's another piece of this, which is. The the world is quickly being divvied up uh, by China, um, and you know China is also making huge advancements in some of these same areas. And you know China under Xi Jinping uh, is in the process of a infrastructure land grab. Um, and and literally just a couple of days ago, when when uh, the CCP had its hundred year parade in Beijing you know, she showed up in a Mao era style, um, suit, like a great suit. So he's making it. Yeah. (laughs) And he's very, very, he's the fifth leader, I think, since, since Mao. And he is very clearly saying that, you know, they're going to be more like wolves than sheep and aggressively pursuing CCP, um, ideas, which makes sense. I mean, he's, he sees like a very short window of time. So they're pushing pretty aggressively, uh, you know, so I don't know. We'll have to see what shakes out with our companies. I did,
0: I did not see that. Here's a picture of uh, the 100th anniversary with President Xi in a Mao suit, mm-hmm. uh, which is not w- w- widely worn anymore in China, but it is very important uh, iconography f- for the Chinese yeah. people. I've, yeah. When I was in uh, Beijing some years ago, I went to Mao's tomb and there's long hours and hours long lines mm-hmm. of people from all over the country coming to see Mao's body. In that suit. Mm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think he, despite the fact that he did some horrible things in China, killed millions of his citizens, uh, but uh, he's still revered, I think, by some. And it's certainly significant that she was wearing that suit. I have not. Oh, yeah. And that's like,
2: totally. And there's there's a rise in nationalism. People are very excited about Chinese companies in China. And Alibaba, you know, um, is is one of those companies. And it isn't we do a ton of work overseas in scandinavia and western europe and you know all, all over um you know and alibaba is is pushing hard into some of these markets so again i look at the new values statement from amazon and i'm seeing this a little bit less as a like an, a sustainability goal and more like we're going to be more globally dominant um you know outside of of the us for example
0: so yeah. So do you think that's why he wore that suit? To, is that of national pride? I mean,
2: not because of Jeff Bezos and, and uh, Amazon, but yes, he's, uh, it's very public. I mean, they they are very, very intent. Uh, she is very intent on, yeah. yeah.
0: You normally see him in a Western suit and tie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No,
2: I mean, that's a huge red flag.
0: Very literally. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bright red. Um, so. I don't know if Jassy will be a leader in the mold of uh, Jeff Bezos, if he will be a caretaker more in the mold of a Tim Cook. Uh, Well, but it starts uh, it starts on Monday. One of the things Amazon has uh, done, maybe maybe it's uh, Jeff Bezos's last act, has asked to have the brand new chair of the FTC, Lena Kahn, recuse herself (laughs) Uh, over any antitrust actions against Amazon because she's clearly biased, says Amazon's attorney. She's written many papers saying the big tech companies ought to be broken up, uh, uh, both as a professor and as an attorney. Um, I think it's a reasonable thing for Amazon to try. I don't know if a judge will <laughs> will back it up. It's kind of an interesting way to fight this antitrust uh, furor. I saw this,
1: Leo, and I thought of every single Twitter appearance I've had, like criticizing all these different big companies and realizing, well, there goes my dream of uh, operating being uh, at the FTC. Um, It sounds like it sounds like a, a like you said, ploy. It's a Hail Mary. Right. Yeah. I don't know how credible it is. It's it's it seems like working the refs. Right. Like you got to yell at the referees and, you know, hope that it helps more of the calls go your way. And they've shown that it works. So um, she was asked by uh, Mike
0: Lee uh, during her confirmation if she Mm -hmm. should recuse herself. Well, Uh, so the so on the Republican side, anyway, there might be some sentiment that, you know, she shouldn't.
1: I just I feel like, you know, you can't know a lot about these things and not have opinions about things. And I think the the better question is, can you be fair? And, you know, everything I've seen, uh, this does seem that the Biden uh, administration in general is going to be a lot tougher on antitrust and anti-competitive action, which I fully support. And I think she's going to be in that vein. But I think she'll, I don't think she's going to be underhanded, you know. I think she'll be fine. I hate
0: them and I'm going
1: to get them. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. Although you could look at uh, the EU uh, commissioner, uh, Marguerite Vestager, and she clearly hates... (laughs) big American tech companies uh, so much. So what was the the latest thing she said? Um, well, we don't, you know, I, I'm not sure if what Amazon and uh, uh, Apple are up to in protecting privacy. I, uh, she said, Apple's privacy protections might just be a way of trying to become more dominant. So I'm going to really have to look at this. Uh, wow. You know, it's like, yeah. mm, I think, I have to say, there you might have a case that she actually has an axe to grind. She's really already decided how the case will be uh, decided. I kind
2: of love the oh. fact that Europe's main uh, the, Europe's main contribution to the future of technology at this point is regulations. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, I can I can I offer a counterpoint to, to like another way to do this. So I was talking to some folks in the government of Dubai uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they were telling me that. In Dubai, I think everybody knows, they're starting to test all different types of drones with, that can carry different payloads. So drones to take pictures, drones to carry small packages around, and of course, those ridiculous flying um, taxis. Uh, drones that would carry one or two people from, from place to place. And so as this technology is being developed and tested, they've actually launched a, a beta testing group within the government to pi- to, like, develop and pilot and beta test uh, policy, which is really, really cool. So basically what they're doing is as the tech is being developed, there's a group of people who are thinking about and trying to like beta test policy and they're talking to each other rather than it being totally siloed. So by the time that the technology is actually ready, there's policy ready to go with it. And it, it just seems like such a smart, a really smart approach, hard one, really, really difficult but also like a much easier path forward for everybody.
0: I'm just booking a uh, a drone taxi right now in uh, Dubai. I just want to see <laughs> how much it's it's going to cost. Uh, I think Uber
2: tried that for a while, right?
0: Yeah. So here's the uh, Margaret, Marguerite. I, I don't, I got to get work on her name. Marguerite Vestager. Uh, she warned against, warned Apple against using privacy and security to limit competition. Yeah, we wouldn't want that. Um, Mm. But, you know, I mean, she's right. Apple is focusing on privacy and security as a differentiator with other companies in tech. And yes, they would like to beat the competition by doing so, but I can't see any benefit to the EU penalizing them for that. Maybe other companies should do their best to improve privacy and security too.
2: Or maybe incent them instead. If you, if you approach all of this punitively, then these companies are going to fight back. And ultimately, what is the end goal? You want better privacy for people, I would assume. Right. Right. And, and so is there another approach that doesn't result in years and years of protracted legal arguing? And I think there is. Um, is there a way to, to, you know, incent these companies to change their policies in a way that everybody benefits? That is a much more challenging approach. I think it's the smarter approach in the long term.
1: Yeah, I think I think all of us here, you know, we're hyper educated on these tech issues. Um, I I do want to say, though, I can understand how someone from the outside would see some of Apple's stuff as anti-competitive. I I do. Um, I just bought a very, very top-of-the-line Windows laptop this week. It kills me that I cannot get my iMessages on that. Yeah, All of us here... All of us understand yeah, you know, the encryption, and if they open that up to things like Windows, it's just drastically less private. It makes the entire ecosystem weaker. We understand that, but I, I can understand how a regulator would look at that fact and the fact that Apple Music, it's much more difficult to use it on a Windows laptop and a lot of that lock-in. I I think there's a discussion you can have there. So I think again it comes back to, can you trust these regulators to be fair? And then ultimately, like what is the legal environment that they're working in? Uh, are the laws going to be fair? Um, and you know I I personally fall on the side where I. I I have faith in
0: that. All right, now you're forcing me to be fair to Margaret Vestager <laughs> and point out that her res, this response was in Apple said, "Look, we can't allow sideloading in our store cuz it would hurt privacy and security." Yep. And she says, "No, I'm not against privacy and security, but I want to make sure that that's the real reason they're doing it, not as an anti competitive yep. move." They're, def, yep. you know, they're they're hiding behind privacy and security as a shield to allow them to be uh, monopolistic, and I guess that's not unreasonable. So I apologize. Yeah, I agree. Don't please don't <laughs> investigate me. Uh, I don't know if this
2: <laughs> means anything to anybody, but I had to get a new phone. Yeah. And uh, so I've been using a Galaxy forever, and yeah. i I was thinking, you know, these new <laughs> the new privacy features I actually like a lot, and I came this close to switching back to an iPhone.
0: <gasps> but you didn't.
2: Um. But I didn't. I didn't. What you get uh, ultimately. I just got another. I got an S. What is S21, it? S twenty
0: S twenty one plus. Yeah.
2: I got a a enormous. I can't hold it in one hand. Uh, yes, phone.
0: That's that's the that's the that latest I, Samsung. Yes,
2: because it was this or a, a one that was smaller than I had before. But I, I don't know. I I hate the way that Apple locks down the entire OS, and you can't do any. You know, it's 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 so locked down and and dumbed down. And I. Ultimately, uh, just went back to Samsung. I I might when the new whatever the new OS, the mobile OS is called iOS fifteen.
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: So that comes out what November.
0: Yeah, the public beta came out this week. I've been playing with it uh, a little bit. You know, on the iPad, Mm -hmm. it really uh, is nice, and I uh, they've fixed up the multitasking. Uh, They've added some nice features. Apple is really good, and I hate them for this at making you want to live entirely in the ecosystem. Absolutely. That's the whole point of not putting iMessages on Android or Windows. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the whole point of adding features that work only as long as you have a Mac, an iPad, and an iPhone. So then, for Mm -hmm. instance, Notes, Apple's Notes Mm -hmm. app, which comes with all three devices, now has a nice feature. You can swipe up from the corner and add a note to a web page. The next time you go to the web page, that note is available. That is a great feature.
2: Hmm. Um, that's kind
0: of cool yeah Yeah. i'm gonna use that a lot uh and i and i'm kind of a reason i'm very aware hyper aware of it is i'm into note-taking apps i have the weird fetish looking for the best note-taking app and it's going to make me mad if there are features in apple's notes which is not the best note-taking app Mm. but that i want in all of my apps uh yeah and the, similarly, you're going to be able to drag. This is wild, but if you have an a, a iMac or a Mac desktop with an iPad, you can drag uh, a folder from one to the other just by dragging it with the mouse over to the next screen. Mm-hmm. These are things Apple does very well in ecosystem plays that Apple does very well that make it very attractive. And to people like you, to both of you who are in mm-hmm. hybrid universes, I don't know if you're 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 not getting the worst of both worlds. <laughs>
2: I, I
1: don't
0: know. I, 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 wouldn't you want like a- all Galaxy or all Apple or no? <laughs>
1: What something I something found lately is, Amy, I really agree with what you're saying. Where um, I feel like like a frog boiling in water, I had slowly gotten not used to how much I was giving up being on all 100% Apple. Uh, you know, I'm one of the people that around 2007, um, I kind of discovered the Mac and just went all in. Um, you know, now with Unreal Engine 5 coming out and really wanting to learn, there's a good example. It. Yeah, I, I've spent a lot of time. I'm, you know, like working in Windows now. I just bought this, you know, this is uh, a razor blade. Apple did this uh,
0: as an unforced error. This is the Apple Epic problem.
1: Absolutely. But my point is like, I I was talking to Christina about this. You know, I feel like for people like us, we do like to play with things and tinker. And what I've found spending more time in Windows lately is there's this joyous, experience of tweaking things and downloading whatever Mm -hmm. I want Mm -hmm. that I've really just kind of, it's like I've shut that part of my brain off. And then, you know, they introduce the M1 chip and you give it up a little bit more and then, you know, you give up unsigned apps. And I've just, I think I've come to the point where I really feel like I need both machines, like one to do my fun you know, experimental play stuff with and yeah. then an, uh, an Apple device for, you know, consuming stuff, for, for having a phone, you know, doing that kind of stuff where it's very secure and predictable and easy to use, but, you know, very, very locked down.
0: Do you think that the ideal will ultimately being a little bit of everything? That-
2: well, yeah.
0: So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, please.
2: you. No, go ahead. Um. So Brianna just made me think of something. So I think all of this... Antitrust and anti-competitiveness stuff that's going on is is actually an argument about interoperability. But I don't think you yes, can yes. legislate, right? They're I mean, trying that's to. Kind of, yeah.
0: That's one of the six bills.
2: Yeah, I mean, because I'm not saying that they should totally work together, but haven't we been having this, you know, Mac versus PC problem now for I don't know since I was in high school
0: could Which was you a legislate this very long say, time ago <laughs> could you say that uh as i think it's uh, is this david Cicilline's uh, bill the one that requires companies be interoperable Oof. could could you order that
2: you know i i don't know i mean i can tell you that i can uh, you know i'm i'm in a i'm i'm i we use macs at work i'm a, i'm on a mac right now and i can plug this android in using something called the dex app um uh, Samsung, which is actually pretty cool. It it emulates the... It's an emulator, so it, it'll emulate... You're using DeX? Really? I am. Yeah. Wow. It's not janky anymore.
0: So you have a DeX dock that you put your Samsung in and a big screen the dock is attached to with yeah. keyboard and mouse. And now suddenly you have a desktop operating system yeah. powered by your phone, which right. admittedly with an 888 in there is a pretty powerful yeah. device. Yeah. I mean,
2: it works. And mostly I just thought... Use an it for M1. File, for Like really fast file transfer. No, but... You know, so I mean, it it works enough, um, but but some of these central challenges still still persist. And I think beyond just like being able to open up a document, which is harder than it should be, still um, these are communication devices. They sh- we should be able to communicate the same way on all of them. You know, I, I have plenty of friends with iPhones, so no, I don't use Messenger on my my Android, um, but I can run a system. You know, I I can, I can sort of couple together and make things work. So, are uh, you saying the market
0: knowledge. should do this, not the house? Uh, what
2: I'm saying is, I'm I'm wondering if some of the concerns that that regulators are talking about and people who are funneling up the the pipeline, if what they're really talking about is their frustration around interoperability, not always just anti, I mean, some of this is clearly anti-competitiveness, but. Um, I think
1: there's a lot of it that is definitely not about interoperability. I mean, look at, you know, uh, one of the things like Amazon, Facebook have a real tendency to gobble up any competitor that's out there. That's not like Mm -hmm. a data transfer issue. That's a it's a monopoly Mm -hmm. issue. Um, And I, I also have to say there's a, you know, every time you do that, you are you're opening up privacy issues, right? Like, you know, something that I think many people have thought about is opening up all the Facebook data to competitors so you could have more people using that data and allow Facebook competitors to come along. That also would be a privacy apocalypse. Just to give you a really specific example, um, you know, Rebellion Pack is making a really big data play right now. We are getting in and using hyper-micro-targeting In a way that just political people don't have a way to do it. Hyper micro targeting. (laughs) So let me give you a very specific example. Okay. We have the voter file over here. So I can go and find people that just registered to vote in order to vote Trump out of office. And I can find people. That based on their location data have spent a lot of time in hospitals oh. or healthcare or wow. read articles on how to file for bankruptcy. And then I can show them ads on universal health care. That's how targeted it is. Like that's and so much now, information. The, the voting there. information
0: yeah. is public record. How do you no, get that? You have to
1: pay a ton for that. Oh my God, do you?
0: But it's but it is public record, right? I mean, it's, you,
1: it's a public record, but getting access to the has database. Yeah, somebody is has
0: very somebody has to go to the yeah. courthouse and get it and collate Correct. it and it, put it online. So that's in
1: the you're Democratic for. Party and Republican parties have virtual monopolies yeah. on that. But what about the medical information?
0: Where are you getting that from? Is that Facebook? It from
1: third party data brokers. You know, they get all these uh, different information. Would you sources do this? Together. Would you
0: feel uh, okay doing that?
1: Not yeah, I do.
0: Buying those ads that way, targeting them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to show people information that's relevant to their voting interests. Um, my point is, so you understand you know,
0: that people are. Yeah. This is really interesting because a lot of the people yeah. that you're trying to reach, a lot of these voters, are also very concerned about privacy. Absolutely, <laughs> and they're being hyper micro targeted. Um, that's interesting.
1: I, I understand, the value, you, it. a, I understand a, the value yeah, of it. I understand the value of it. It is a it is a gut check situation, Leo. But at the same time, you know, I think the side I happen to be on is losing in a lot of ways, yeah, yeah. and I think we have to fight with the same tools the other people are.
0: Right. And of course, uh, businesses too, using the same tools with the same kind of rationale behind it.
1: Absolutely.
0: This is why it's such a uh, difficult and nuanced conversation because we talk – if you talk about privacy abstractly, everybody's for it. You know, everybody loves the idea that Apple's giving you the choice whether you should be tracked or not in the, when you install an app. But there is another side of that equation, which is would, – do would you think – would it be better, Brianna, if all, if all hyper-micro-targeting were eliminated, then you're all on a le- e- level playing field – Would you prefer that?
1: I don't know if you could do it. I mean, can you legally stop someone from crossing one database with another database?
0: That's actually, to me, of all the big tech regulation, I think the best one to focus on is not security privacy, but it's a focus on uh, data, control of your data. Yeah, That, to me, seems like an area maybe we could do something about.
1: Yeah. I think there are a lot of critiques of Andrew Yang, but I've never seen a politician talking about owning your own data and being able to monetize it because I can promise you other people are. Um, you yeah, know, Yang is does, interested in that. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. very, very much so.
0: Yeah. Uh, the FTC did vote uh, this week to uh, expand their enforcement powers three to two along party lines to repeal a statement policy policy statement from 2015 that said they couldn't challenge unfair. Now, I don't know why in 2015 they agreed to this, that they couldn't challenge unfair methods of competition if they don't violate existing antitrust laws. So I guess the commission said, look, there's got to be a law against it before we can investigate it or challenge it, I guess. Um, Lena Kahn, this is one of her first actions as chair of the FTC, said the, the 2015 uh, statement doubled down on the agency's longstanding failure to investigate and pursue unfair methods of competition. The guidance only hindered the agency's enforcement efforts. Uh, certainly a, a, a definitely a, a statement by the FTC. No, no, we're going to start getting much more active. This is the same FTC, mm-hmm. of course, that allowed Facebook to buy Instagram and WhatsApp without... Uh, any noise, and is now saying, "Well, they shouldn't have been able to," and and Facebook quite rightly is saying, "Well, you let us. <laughs> you can't you can't unwind that. You gave us permission. We did ask."
2: I mean, part of the problem is you've got different administrations cycling people yeah, through these. It changes too you know, fast. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. you could say a lot of the same stuff about the FCC. Um, you know, the, the in the United States, our elected officials have the ability to to appoint people the heads of these agencies, and these agencies have some. You know, I'm not I should point and- out
0: this was an Obama-era guidance. However,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so I don't know. I, I don't know. Mm. FTC did have a successful action this week against Broadcom. They had accused Yo. Broadcom of monopolizing the market for semiconductor components. Um, there is a consent decree, and uh, Qualcomm has, without admitting guilt, <laughs> of course, uh, uh, agreed to a settlement. So they they had been charges were filed, or at least the FTC had voted to file charges, and now Broadband said, Broadcom said, okay, let's uh, let's work this out. They've settled in October with the uh, European Commission. What was Broadcom doing? This is is this five G? Is it uh, wireless? Yeah, it sounded like they were buying up
1: all the components to basically oh. you know, produce their 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 modem technology.
0: Yeah. FTC said in a release, Broadcom is one of the few significant suppliers of five related types of chips. They made long-term agreements with at least 10 OEMs that make set-top boxes and broadband devices, preventing those OEMs from buying chips from anybody else. You can't do that. No. (laughs) And they got caught. And uh, so they're not going to be allowed uh, to do that any further. Broadcom used to be an American company, but I think it is no longer... American, I f- feel like I remember that they were bought by a Chinese company.
1: Hmm. Let me. Just well, I think start. this kind of access to uh, chips—it's just going to—it's going to get to be more and more of a problem. And I think you can expect these monopsomies that you know companies like Apple create. I think you can expect it to be under further and further scrutiny moving forward. I mean, the reason. Yeah, you know, Leo, you know, I love to collect old cars and every single one of my uh, collectible cars is worth a ton of money right now because the used market is so hot because you can't buy new char- cars with the chip shortage. So, um, you know, I think more equal access to the to the things you use to to build a high technology, I think very correctly, that should be under more scrutiny.
0: I apologize. Broadcom, which was a U.S. company, was bought by a Singaporean company called Avago. So they are owned by a Singaporean company at this point. Um, I would pause at this moment for a commercial, but we don't have any because it's the 4th of July and nobody uh, tried to sell this show. (laughs) So, good news. You guys got to sit here and take it. No break. But I guess I could say uh, this episode of Twit is brought to you by listeners like you, members of Club Twit, who are helping us survive uh, a bit of a downturn in the economy over the last year club twit is a way that you could show your support for everything we do seven dollars a month uh, gets you uh, not only ad-free versions of all of our shows in effect this is the club twit version of the show you're getting a a listen to what it would be like without any ads Uh, audio and video of all of our shows you also get uh, a twit plus feed which has some good stuff from before and after the show's special episodes of things uh we have a linux show we're doing uh, on club twit plus feed so forth and then finally you get access to our members only discord which is a lovely place to hang out if you uh if you haven't tried discord this is a great way to get to know it if you're already a, a user of discord <laughs> you'll love uh, adding club twit to uh, your discord channels we have uh discussion sections uh for all of the sho- all the shows uh, plus, uh, conversations about every topic under the sun, loved by geeks, books, data science, gaming, hacking, uh, sci-fi, travel. And we even, uh, that's where I play my Valheim uh, in, a, in the club. Uh, it's a lot of fun. If you want to know more about Club Twit, twit.tv slash club twit. We really thank you for all the Club Twit members for your support uh, for everything we're doing. Um...
2: Hey Leo, will yes, there be on Discord for Club Twit? Will there be a foundation channel?
0: Oh, are you excited? Ooh. What is it? Am I
2: excited? Have I been waiting my entire life to see my favorite <laughs> book ever written uh, finally made into something watchable? Apple yes, TV's
0: doing it, so uh, they'll be really putting a lot not. of money into it. Um, the, the trailers look
2: pretty amazing.
0: It's um, yeah, it's coming. We now know September twenty fourth will be the debut.
2: Yeah. Now. I'll say the trailer that I saw had a little bit less emphasis on Selden than...
0: I think, it, yeah, you're a, but, you're a Harry Selden. Is I'm that a, how you got the inspiration to be uh, a futurist?
2: Well, I'm alive as far as I know. <laughs> um.
0: Unlike Harry. <laughs> uh, but but uh, he was, that was, that was uh, that's a big part of the whole uh, novel yeah. is yeah. The, the Harry Selden was a, able to kind of predict through scientific means, not clear, not, not clairvoyance. Science
2: and psychological Means.
0: Yeah, what do they call them, psychohistorians? I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: It was the '60s, you know. Or the that, well, I, okay. So this is my qualm about the whole thing. First of all, have you reread the novels lately? No, I have not. I haven't Maybe. either, and I'm a little afeared of doing so. Uh, a lot of the science fiction that I loved as a kid. When I reread yeah. it, does not age well. <laughs> no. Heinlein's no. stuff, for instance. I love Heinlein. I oh love him too, but yep, yep. it doesn't age well. And I'm afraid yep. the foundation, I don't know if it's going to age well. Then the other qualm I have is this is way glitzier than I think it should be. More, I mean, it just... It, well,
2: it, I mean, it spans a thousand years, so... It, There's that.
0: I feel like it shouldn't. It shouldn't look like Star Wars, if you know what I, I mean. I don't think it looks
2: like Star Wars. I think it looks more a little bit more like the Doon. I mean, if anything, it it's looks Dooney? a little bit more Dooney to me. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. that's also a concern. Except for that part that you're showing right now, which does
0: which look, did look exactly like Stormtroopers. But okay. Lee uh, Pace
2: was a good casting choice. I don't know. Whatever. Let's not. Are you excited? It. Just, are you let's excited? Like, let's let my dream live for a while. The dream will <laughs>
0: live. You know what? We'll have we'll have you all back on on the twenty fifth, and you can. Uh, I love it. Let us know. I do love him. He is wonderful. Is he Harry Sutton? Who is he? Is he going to be? Um, who Lee Pace? Yeah,
1: no, he's
0: not. Jared Harris. That's, that's cool who I was anything. thinking of. I like Jared Harris. No. Yeah. Uh, I feel
1: like Heinlein is my feminist guilty pleasure. Yeah, it should I love be. It so much. It's the most sexist it's books so, ever written. It's so sexist. All the, are,
0: all the women are buxom and beautiful. Right, and it's
1: so belittling. But he also says so much about human nature that is profound and interesting and fascinating. Yeah. And he's a libertarian. Like What I love about Heinlein is he's... Putting out ideas out there that I don't agree with, but he's truly challenging your mind and making you go, why don't I agree with it? Because he's putting good. such a, a good argument forward. That's what I try to I do with Anne him.
0: Rand as well. Is when, yeah. I, when I love her writing, and yeah. I have to admit I love her books, completely disagree with the premise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and you're right. It forces you to say, well, why do I disagree? Why do I I have to
1: tell you, I was writing with Frank, and we were listening to a book called Sixth Column," which has more anti-Asian slurs than you could possibly imagine. Oh, jeez! It's almost like it it was. It was so painful, and it's such a good novel. That's timeline as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, the timeline.
0: Okay, Foundation. No, we're excited. We're excited.
1: Good. It's going to be good.
2: We got Dune coming out finally.
0: Yeah, maybe Dune should have been a miniseries, not a movie.
2: Dune is impossible to make impossible. Into a movie, so Not we, we in two will see. Hours.
0: Yeah, sorry. We will see. It's, this is, they're 20. like doing it in two parts. Yeah, no, no. Sorry. This is the opportunity. This is what the opportunity is now. Is you could take novels yeah. like Foundation and spread and them out over many, many them. more hours. Yep. So you get more of the f- flavor of it. And I feel like any attempt, and there have been what two now to make Dune into a movie, to oh, no, be the I think third. I has been more than that. More than that. Yeah. It's uh, yep. doomed just because. It's too short.
2: The source material is weird to start with.
0: I mean, the whole, you know. Yeah. It always ends up, Dune ends up being campy. You can't help it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Can we just like take a second and admit Apple TV content has been way better than it has any business being? Like uh, Leesy's story is out right now. That's an adaptation of a Stephen King novel. That is
0: excellent. Morning Show is excellent. I didn't think Morning Show was excellent. No. I, I have felt that, it's less than it should have been. Ted Lasso's pretty good. Yeah. Um I haven't watched Lisey's story, so I'll have to watch that. Um Mosquito Coast. Have you seen that? No. None of these really draw me. That's the problem. I'm oh, not a fan. C was terrible. Um I oh, actually that horrible. I'm told Physical is good. It this this yep. is a brand new show. Have you watched that?
1: I haven't seen I it yet. I'm saving it with uh,
0: Frank to watch it. <laughs> okay. Although the 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 elevator pitch is horrible, uh, Sheila Rubin is a quietly tormented housewife in '80s San Diego who discovers aerobics, which changes her life. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. That is not a great pitch. Is is aerobics changing her life? Is it gonna? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. It is time for '80s shows, though. See, this we had the '70s. You know,
1: Glow had was better than I think any of Glow us thought it great. was going to be. Glow was, was know, great. So, but we'll it was give great. it the '80s chance.
0: Yeah, was Glow was '80s, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. Le- Le- Leo, I wonder what is since, since we're talking about everything. What, what, like, what's the one untold story from tech, from the world of tech, that you think deserves Ooh. to be made into a movie
0: or a show? What? I was just thinking this the other day that I that it really should be what. So there are a number of really good books, and actually, Brianna, you know these books, I'm sure about.
2: Or it doesn't have to be a book; it could just be like something.
0: Well, it's got to start you, with you some source material, right? Yeah. Um, so there have been a number of good books about game development. Yeah. Uh, what is the book about? Id that would be a great movie. Masters of Doom. Masters of Doom. Uh,
1: yep.
2: Yeah, Or just yeah, or like, about, like She's great a great good... untold story from tech, a like something crazy story. that happened at CES in the earlier days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what's like something that. No, we can't crazy. tell
0: those stories because uh, people are still alive. <laughs> we have to wait until some people are no longer with us <laughs> before those stories <laughs> can be told. Um, I th- don't you think G four G
1: four could be a really interesting story? I've I've heard no. some of the drama there. Yeah. You don't think?
0: I, I, well, I don't know. I'm too close to it to really. Uh, yeah. yeah. But but I do think um, the uh, hidden life of Bill Gates. I think we're starting to learn might be kind of an intriguing uh, <laughs> mi- mini series. He certainly had a lot more going on than we really realize. Hmm. Um, don't you think? There's a and there's also. A redemption arc, which you have to have, right, to make a good story, where evil guy uh, turns into a nice guy thanks to the uh, life experiences, and then turns back into the evil guy, and then turns back into the evil guy, and then maybe uh, maybe there'll be redemption down the road.
2: What was the name of that movie that was great? The Pirates.
0: Pirate. Oh, Pirates of Silicon Valley Pirates was the Sil- only Sil- good Valley. movie that ever was great. made about yeah, yeah. Uh, fa- factual movie ever made. I think Silicon Valley, the TV show, was a good. Uh non somebody's talking to me is it my phone whose phone is answering that's in the call <laughs> um how about Elon Musk there's a story
2: his is life there, story though?
0: is there I is don't know. he
2: like is he really that compelling
0: well he's I he's, don't know he's doing a good watch... impression of it if he's not
2: <laughs> I mean I would I, w- I, w- I would rather Watch something on Bezos than on Elon Musk.
0: I'm fascinated by Jeff Bezos. I agree. Yeah. And I think he's the I, real deal. I don't know. Elon, I think, is the real deal because what he's done with both SpaceX and Tesla is truly remarkable.
2: Yeah. But he also didn't, he also acquired those companies. Yeah. But he acquired and built them. Yeah. Bezos did not do from that. From scratch. He, he yeah. started
1: from scratch yeah. and built this joggernaut.
0: Yeah.
2: So.
1: I think think there is a truly great story about women in tech to be told, like in in this kind of form. You can make an amazing TV show about it because, you know, we're not a monolith, right? You've got some startup people, you've got some people that are more on the activist side, you've got some people that leave their careers due to atrocities, you have some people that become the villain and, you know, enable the system that hurts a lot of people because it's convenient for their career. I think there is an amazing amazing TV series to be made about that.
0: If I were a producer, I'm going to tie all of these threads together. I would run, not walk, to buy the rights to Wally Funk. Do you know who who Wally Funk is? No. Okay. Wally Funk, her uh, full name is Mary Wallace Funk, was chosen by NASA in the 60s to be one of 13 American women to get astronaut training in the Mercury program. They were not allowed to fly because NASA had a requirement at the time. You had to be a military fighter pilot. And, of course, there were no, at the time, female military fighter pilots. She became uh, the first female Federal Aviation Administration inspector. Uh, She was a pilot, airline pilot and instructor. And she is now going to be the oldest person ever to go into space. She's 82 years old. Wally Funk will be flying sitting next to Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. and his brother in the oh. new Shepard rocket when they go up oh, wow. on the 24th. She's been selected to go along with a, somebody who's paying $28 million. <laughs> 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 Foolish. How high up
2: are they going? Not
0: that high. It, the reason they're calling it the new Shepard is because it's, it's essentially paralleling Alan Shepard's flight, okay. which was the first manned space flight the U.S. attempted. And all he did was go up. And then come back down. It's not even okay. an orbit. Uh, but so she's gonna have four minutes in zero gravity. Uh, I should show this video on Instagram. This, this, this is what I would, uh, this is why I wanna buy the rights to this. Here, here she is, Wally Funk with Jeff Bezos. Gravity for four minutes.
1: You come back down, we land gently on the desert surface, we open the hatch, and you step outside. What's the first thing you say?
0: I was say, honey, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, uh, she's going into space. 82 I've been flying. years Ooh. old. Wally Funk. And now, see? 19,600 flying hours. Wouldn't you run I out and buy her, her life story?
1: People to fly, private
2: Looks like somebody already did. Flight engineer, this is actually Jeff's,
0: uh, Jeff Bezos' Instagram.
2: Everything that the FAA has, I've got the license <laughs> for. And I can outrun you. <laughs> 82. I like her.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, what's happening with SpaceX? Because there's that whole thing tied in with uh,
2: St. Jude. Seems like there's this race, micro race, <laughs> nano race to space.
0: <laughs> to be uh, the cha- the winner of the charity. So this is, uh, yeah, SpaceX is, um, when is, John knows this. He follows space closely. When is the These, SpaceX uh,
2: publicists must be going launch. crazy because they probably had their They're all at the already. same time,
0: I know. No, 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 but they're going to do the, uh, the, the, the manned launch with the, um, the Falcon, uh, not the Falcon, the... Um, SAS? Yeah. The new... I um... can't remember the name of it. John, you're supposed to know all of this stuff. The Dragon. The mm-hmm. Dragon's going up with four people in it, right? Uh, the Crew-1 mission. Here's the Crew-1 mission of SpaceX. When is that coming up? Oh, that already happened. No, no, no. That not this one. The one where you get to get to pay to go, and the millionaire bought it all up. Right. And uh, this is this is going to be this is going to be the um, the one that's going to the moon. Uh, Let me see if I can find this here. You know what I'm talking about, John?
2: Well, while you guys are looking, let me plug the Expanse, which
0: is that's a great show. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Although it's cheap. Okay. I just, <laughs> I really the like first, it, <laughs> but it yeah, looks a little yeah. cheap. It, it looks a little, yeah.
2: The, and the first, I don't know, the first maybe four episodes were so bad. I, I,
0: yeah, it took me three watchings. My husband made me power through. Yes. It took me three watchings to get yeah. far enough in where I could figure out. I watched was- it with
2: subtitles.
0: And uh, I
1: I have strong feelings about this because the author, James uh, S. A. Cor- S. E. Corey, uh it's two people. I consider him yeah. a friend. Um uh, they were friends,
0: like, right? What pronouns do two? Yeah, people friends use? of mine. Well, there's, two, a, there's yeah. two guys They're, who are yeah. writers.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's uh it's uh Ty and Daniel, uh just amazing yeah. people. I love that book so so desperately. I've listened to it probably 20 or 30 times, every single one of the books in this series. There's quite
0: a few of them too, right?
1: Yeah, it's long. There are eight of them and they're they're not short at all. But he writes in a way that you really, it's one of those books you have to read twice to understand Mm. it. And that first series... That first season, I'm telling you, I know that book backwards and forwards. And I'm just like, people are going to bounce off this. They're not going to understand it. There's so much politics
0: and so many subplots. There's
1: so much world building. But I tell you, it it is a brilliant commentary about people that are trying to lessen the violence in the world right. and people that are trying to exploit the amount yes. of violence in the, the world politics are great i'm not surprised you it's love 10 it because you're oh, a politician you love this yeah stuff, right it's the human it's, dynamics it's great. The, yeah,
0: yeah yeah uh amazon is planning in a related story a rebel alliance uh they what? <laughs> what what you uh doing a
2: johnny carson for us here
0: <laughs> yeah i am good at this kind of segue <laughs> uh, they have decided to partner with slack dropbox and others to create a office to fight microsoft they, the rebel alliance they're calling it <clears throat> i don't know if there's more to say <laughs> than that but we'll see
1: I think that's more like Jabba the Hutt is taking (laughs) on the Empire myself. Isn't it interesting
0: how these giant uh, oligarchs like to think of themselves as rebels?
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. um, I mean, I'd like to see competition in that space. Uh, You know, I think I feel like the we in the tech industry have never really reevaluated our position on Microsoft, which is much better today than it was a couple of decades ago. But I, I think. I'd I'd love to see more competition there. That'd
0: be yeah, great. Yeah, uh, and after, actually, I have to say that uh, I've said this a few times. uh the, the DOJ investigation of Microsoft in the late '90s turned Microsoft into a better company as yep. a result, and they have, under Satya Nadella, pivoted in such a way that I think they're a very strong company, much more than stronger than they had any right to believe. Um, you know, they were turning what into the next IBM. And instead, yeah. they've actually shown that they've 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 got a future. They might be the next Apple. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. No, I was just going to ask what you thought of the Windows. Uh, what a uh, raw there! Huh? Yeah.
0: So, I think there's a certain irony to this. Microsoft last week announced Windows 11, and I thought that all of the storm and drawing, all the furor over this, would be about. A, it's Windows 10 with a new skin, and B, they centered the start button and the test menu. I thought, I'm going to see acres of ink over this stupidity, and then it'll be done. And instead, Microsoft decided, you know, and they said, hold my beer. We can really make a problem here. We're going to say <laughs> you can't use it with a processor that is as little as two years old. And, oh, by the way, you have to have TPM 2.0. And then all the people who were about ready to say, I don't want Windows 11. I'm going to stick with Windows 10 because that's the usual refrain when a new version of Windows comes out. Instead, got to whine, I can't get Windows 11. I want it. <laughs> Talk I think this is brilliant marketing on Microsoft's part. They made yeah. people want something that they were prepared to hate.
1: Yeah. I I think a lot of the stuff in there, like auto HDR, I'm very, very excited for that. Uh, If you don't know, this is HDR is a photography um, technique. that oversaturates and undersaturates an image. And for post-processing in game engines, you can do that same kind of uh, process. It's not actually that expensive. And Microsoft is enabling auto HDR. Is that something that's going to be
0: built into the... Uh, Is it from the graphics cards doing the work or I mean, I know it's a feature of Windows. It came from Xbox, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. It's going to be built into basically the graphics API. Um, I don't know much about it. I haven't dug into the API myself to learn how it works. But I could say the results of it are are stunning. The processor overhead from my own uh, experimentation with these kinds of uh, post-HDR processes, it's not terrible. And I, it's like a a lot of, I wouldn't say home runs, but a whole lot of doubles that they announced with windows 11 that have me really excited for it. Oh,
0: see, there you go. And how do you feel about rounded corners and centered uh, task bars?
1: I am for it. I think it Windows makes it look like a Mac. At, <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, John Gruber has said for a long time, Microsoft should go hire some really talented designers and force windows to start over and make it look more modern. Yes,
0: and they did that. Yeah. You
1: know, from what I've seen yeah. this, it, it looks, it looks cool. Yeah. I'm into it
0: yeah um that, actually I have to agree with you the the of course all the controversy is about Microsoft's seemingly arbitrary uh requirements um, <laughs> for compatibility you know I think it's their right to do this Apple does this every time right they, they just yeah. so uh and and I think the the unsaid s- supposition is that they're doing this to sell pcs to get to help the PC industry sell more PCs to require you if you want to use it buy a new PC but i, I always point buy a new out, PC versus what a phone i mean upgrade. No, but uh, versus so PC industry by the way had a great year last year mm-hmm. in twenty. That's what I'm saying.
2: Like what what what's the problem they're trying to solve?
0: Uh, there's a, a suspicion that that great year won't be repeated next year. Got it. Uh, <laughs> that everybody who wanted a PC will have bought a PC. That the reasons people ran out and buy PCs for you know Zoom classrooms and work at home are going to evaporate. Uh, actually, that turns out so far this year not to be true. That people are in fact buying. PCs in droves this year as well, maybe because they're getting to work from home. I don't know. But Mm. I think there was some concern the PC industry would see a big dip Mm. and that the supposition was well, Microsoft's going to juke it by offering a new version of Windows. Traditionally, in the Windows world, that's how you get the next version of Windows. You don't upgrade. Windows 10 broke that mold. But prior Mm. to Windows 10, you just use Windows until you got the new computer and then you'd use the next, whatever it came with people yeah. didn't up. I
2: mean a lot of these companies that are doing some form of intermittent or permanent work from home or flexible work schedules which include enormous enormous companies like Fujitsu uh, you know like Google's doing it now. Yeah, what's that? Google. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. So if that's the case, then every one of your, you know, we're moving into this sort of BYO, bring your own device. That's right. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. So that has helped.
0: unexpectedly, so I think that's, that's going to yep
2: right, and and that will probably continue as people sort of sort out and figure out where they're going to be. But um, on the other side of that, you know, if I was a CISO right now, I would be uh, hair on fire. Trying to figure out what I'm going to do for security because, you know, what's the over under on your employee patching firmware or whatever's updating their router? You know know what I mean?
0: Oh, I completely agree with you. Um, I I think that uh, in the long run, the the only thing that went wrong with the Windows 11 launch was PR and that Microsoft's, you know, not handled it well. The communication's been poor. I think they'll probably solve this by changing the requirements over time. And I don't think it's going to end up being a long-term black mark. but I think the PR was terrible on this. Now I, let's talk I, about security because there's a lot yeah. of stories there. And go ahead finish the, finish the, no, thing. no, no. Go ahead, Leo. So a uh, big supply chain attack uh, just announced uh, the R evil ransomware gang has taken <sighs> over the Kaseya uh, VSA. Kaseya is a cloud-based MSP platform. A lot of, Managed service providers use it. MSPs, we use an MSP. If you're a smaller company, you don't have a full-time IT staff, you might use a managed service provider to do your IT. Um, a lot of them use Kaseya, which uh, is a patch man- management client man- monitoring platform. Kaseya has been compromised. And as a result, the fear is so have thousands of MSPs uh, all using Kaseya, and um, Huntress Labs' John Hammond told uh, Lawrence Abrams at Bleakkeeping Computer, we're tracking 20 MSPs where Kaseya was used to encrypt over 1,000 businesses with ransomware. And are working in close collaboration Mm. with six of them. Um, The biggest so far looks to be a Swedish supermarket chain uh, called Coop. They've closed 800 stores in Sweden look at this this is a great sign IT problem there is something that goes that's cross uh, cross barriers cross language barriers I can't read the rest of it but IT problem I understand uh, ransomware has shut them down they can't take payments their, their cash registers stop working uh, so the closed stores had to close they're hoping they can reopen tomorrow um, but uh, this is going to be a na this is another nasty one and supply chain is very tough. Solar Winds yeah. was also a supply chain attack.
1: Yeah, right. So I it mean, if I could buy, go ahead. No, oh,
2: we've got a lag. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I was going to say, um, no. I mean, I the, the, the especially as people are using more and more remote services, we're going to see more of this. And it mm-hmm. and I it sounds like this was yet another nation state. Attack possibly. Yep. Um. And, and MSPs have been a, a popular target because uh, it leverages um, by, by nation state. All hackers, you have yeah. to
0: you hack you hack Kaseya, and boom, That's you got right. it. Thousands of other uh, computer systems.
2: Right. So there's a, a guy uh, CTO of uh, BreachQuest called Kaseya, the Coca Cola of remote management. Just <laughs> to give you a sense of how significant
0: this is. Does that mean it's uh, sugary and uh, bad for your teeth or? It's sh-
2: <laughs> it's big and you can and you can you can buy it in a can with your friend's name on it Yeah, <laughs>
0: but, but did you know
1: i was just i was just gonna say you know this is uh ransomware in general has been really 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 bad lately there was a story that came out this week about russia actually going through and brute force it, trying old school Brute force attacks to get passwords on uh, various companies in the uh, in the uh, in the energy sector. You know, this was Fancy Bear doing it, which was a, a part of the GRU. Um, you know, if I could buy stock in ransomware continuing to devastate companies, I would do that because it's almost certainly going to happen. Uh, you know, it's it's such a difficult problem to solve too. Because like here in Massachusetts, we had a company that shut down because uh, three foreign nationals came in interned for the company and stole the entire code base and left, and thousands of people lost their job because yeah. of that. You know, you've got attacks from the inside, you've got attacks from the outside from nation states. You know, you've got uh, problems with not updating software like with uh um like with Equifax where they didn't run an Apache update. I mean, this is it's such a massive problem to solve. And the thing is, it the pipeline to address this is so astonishingly inconvenient for everyone. And it's 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 just gonna get worse from here.
0: It's it's so funny because we think of these nation-state attacks as being highly sophisticated. But yeah. fancy bears just trying trying different passwords.
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what's, what's really, I, I think the part here that's so challenging is that so so, we've all, lots of people have been talking about the need for digital transformation, which is like a gobbledygook, ridiculous, jargony, made up phrase, but essentially what that means is like, you got to automate your stuff, you know, like stop using paper records. You got to digitize, you got to put yourself in the cloud, you know, use security, all that stuff. And Leo, as you mentioned at the top, you know, small to mid-sized businesses, they they can't hire a full-time, you know, IT person. We depend SCC. on our
0: MSPs to keep us secure.
2: So, right. And so what's smart about, you know, f- from a hacker's point of view, attacking that MSP, you know, and targeting all these tiny businesses, a lot of these places don't have cash in the bank. They don't have a runway. Yeah. Um, so if you target, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of tiny little businesses, um, you know, a lot of them are going to do whatever they have to do in order to to get back online so they, they can keep working. Um, yeah. So it's a really shitty, shitty thing that that, you know, they've done, but also kind of a unfortunately it's it's a it's a vulnerability
0: we're going to have to accept the fact that this is going to be the future of warfare mm -hmm, this is cyber warfare i'm sure you've written about in economic terms
2: right so that's that's the issue i I wrote about this in my last book so in the big nine right um one of the big challenges we face going forward is that we don't have a definition for warfare outside the the realms that we've currently defined it so so if you've got a nation state attack you know, that is targeting bits and pieces of our technological and economic infrastructure, and you are in some way creating wreaking economic havoc on parts of our society, you know, that does cripple us in some way. It makes us weaker as a nation. But we don't currently yeah. define that type of attack as as a, you know, as warfare.
0: Well, didn't, I mean, didn't Biden say to Putin, you know, hands off these yeah. critical infrastructure he
1: didn't, and then well, what, he gave her yeah. glasses. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a little pessimistic. I mean, he went through and he started to try to make a framework about look, we are we are nations, we're not friends, right? Like, but these are targets that we would consider legitimate. These are the targets we would not consider legitimate. Do we need Things a Geneva like
0: Accord for cyber warfare in effect? Where look, we all agree we're not going to attack hospitals.
1: I I think we do. And, you know, another thing, this may be a controversial opinion, but, you know, you don't expect yourself to defend, you know, I don't need to defend Massachusetts from external attack. I do think there's a role for the Pentagon to play here. And maybe we need to subsidize certain systems to give small business access to basic cybersecurity tools. That would be a very good investment, I think, as far as being a subsidy. I I think it's time to really think about this holistically because it's about our economy. uh, It's about our ability to function. It's about our schools, our hospitals, our privacy. There's clearly a national security interest here.
0: I think there's also an issue, though, because uh, I would say Russia is a failed state or close to uh, yeah. And as a result, they have less to lose. I think we might be yeah. able to go to China, Amy, and say, look, uh, we won't attack your infrastructure if you don't attack ours. Mm-hmm. But Russia at this point is punching up and yep. uh, well, they don't have Russia much has to a lose, lot. right?
2: Yeah, they have a lot more to lose. Putin is also not quite as strong of a leader. Um, yep. you know, and then the pantheon of, of autocrats, Putin is, is standing on slightly shakier ground than Xi Jinping. So, um, yep. you know. I I would say uh, trying to cut some kind of a Cold War era deal, um, but you know, so so uh, you know, mutually assured destruction, but make it code. Um, oh, that's interesting. I, I think it's gonna be challenging.
0: Are yeah. our hackers as good as their hackers?
2: I Brianna might know this better. I mean, it's my understanding that the the folks who are working in Russia and China are elite.
1: Um, that, well, it's, they also have uh, they have huge alliances with the mob, right? So the the mob is over there conducting a lot of. It's like one of the most profitable sectors in Russia is you know mob. The Russian mob will go out and get a young coder, and you know we'll do all these cryptocurrency schemes. So you know it's really hard to, one to these negotiate with the mob well that's that's my point like they are cons- we are constrained by rules of warfare and largely they are not yeah and you know I think that's where something like a, a Geneva convention for code could be very helpful
0: yeah unless they don't play the game they don't play along yeah yep. um, Microsoft has a zero day that's actively being exploited in its Windows print spooler uh, somebody some wag some security firm has named this Print nightmare, uh, Sangfor published. Unfortunately, the pr- proof of code accidentally. It's hmm. been. It was immediately forked, and as a result, the code is out there, resulting in multiple zero-day vulnerabilities in the Windows print spooler service. Uh, Sangfor was going to show it at Black Hat, but m- once the <laughs> proof of code got out, they immediately ran over and said, "Uh, whoops." Whoops. The vulnerability allows attackers to use remote code execution through the print spooler. You can remotely install programs, modify data, create new accounts with full admin rights. The vulnerability exists in all versions of Windows. Not clear, though, if it's exploitable beyond server versions of Windows. So this is another one where your MSP is going to have to come on over. And, uh, there are some mitigations mostly which involve taking your principal or offline. I don't know if that's a long-term, uh, fix. Um, uh, that's, add that to the zero day with the Western digital, um, uh, drives. And now you've got a lot of fun going on. My book live. This is one that might make an interesting movie, um, uh, at first, we thought that the the reason that owners of this uh, already out of date, I mean, they stopped selling it in uh, 2015, stopped supporting it in 2015, um, network attached storage device had a flaw that was exposed in 2018. We thought this was the flaw being used to erase these drives. Many, many users said that their data had been completely erased after a reset of the drive. Then it turns out, no, maybe it wasn't that there was a remote code execution flaw, zero day. Nevertheless, Western Digital is not patching these. Their, their fix fixes take your drive offline. We will not, <laughs> we, Now there's a problem in the MyCloud OS 3.0 firmware, which may affect many, many more devices. Uh, Western Digital's solution to that is you need to upgrade to OS 5. Some say, yeah, but that's a complete rewrite with lots of functionality missing. So there's kind of a mess. Maybe get a different manufacturer for your NAS. Very interesting story. Um, Dan Gooden had a good uh, breakdown of it on Ars Technica. Um, But just an example of, you know, an IoT device that is not being patched is a recipe for disaster. It's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. Apps with 5.8 million downloads on Google Play stole users' Facebook passwords. Nine apps... That uh, And this is something you should just be aware of. The apps did actually work. They actually, unusually, (laughs) they actually did things like photo editing and framing, exercise and training, horoscopes, removing junk files. But at some point, the apps offered users an option to log into their Facebook account in order to disable ads. Um, They saw a genuine Facebook login, but the Trojans used uh, a mechanism to steal that login. So uh unfortunately uh five point eight million people uh downloaded those apps like Processing Photo, App Lock Keep, Rubbish Cleaner, Horoscope Daily, Horoscope pie, App Lock Manager, Lock It Master, Inwell Fitness, and Pip Photo. Do not give them your Facebook credentials, even if you don't <laughs> want ads.
2: Are we I thought I've been noticing uh Companies are not using OAuth so much.
0: Yeah, anymore, that's disappointing. Right? I think maybe because it doesn't work, doesn't play well with some apps, doesn't do well on mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, Google still uses it, but I think all, a lot of them are, you know, what Microsoft does, which I really like is a single sign-on mm-hmm. with uh, its authenticator. It'll say, okay, mm-hmm. I'm firing up authenticator. Give me, uh, click the button that says this number. They give you four buttons. You click it, and the login's done. This is how you log into Windows and a lot of Microsoft accounts. And I think it's a little bit better than OAuth.
1: Yeah. Didn't Twitter move over to where you can use a, an external device like a YubiKey for your, yes, uh, your 2 factor a while.
0: authentication? Yeah, I've been doing that for a while on Twitter. And for a while, yeah. it, you had to have uh, a fallback to SMS, which, not good, after Jack Dorsey's SMS got remember that he got uh sim mm-hmm. sim sim uh snatched what do they call it sim his they broke got into his account and so they turned off sim sim what sim yacked sim
1: jack
0: <laughs> Sim-jacked, that's the word sim <laughs> although i'm gonna call it sim yacked from now on he got sim yacked, and uh so after that they they allowed you to have a uh, yubikee minus the sms which i immediately mm-hmm. turned on uh so that's good uh, let's see. The states. Let's talk about some states. Maine passes the strongest state <gasps> facial recognition ban yet.
2: Huh. Stronger than Illinois?
0: Yeah. In fact, I Illinois just this. had a successful uh, prosecution and uh, a case against somebody using face recognition.
2: So what's what's the deal now in Maine? The
0: new law in Maine prohibits government use of facial recognition, except in specifically outlined situations, especially probable cause that an unidentified person in an image committed a serious crime, or for proactive fraud prevention, um, they will have to do that through the FBI or the Main Bureau of Motor Vehicles. Main police won't have access to facial recognition. Huh? Uh, ACLU. What I really like about this win. is yes. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. No, I was going to say what I like about this is it has accountability. So if the police do end up looking for an active suspect, right, they've got probable costs, they've got a good reason to use facial recognition, there's actually oversight with it where that use of facial recognition has to go in a place where the public can review. Um, Additionally, it shuts down a um, a lot of the tricks that they had used to kind of skirt this by maybe someone in Maine law enforcement would call up a friend in Massachusetts and say, hey, can you run this search for me? Uh, and uh, it, it basically shuts that exactly down. So um, I do worry about like a federated state-by-state approach for this, but it, it seems to have good stuff in it as best as I can tell.
0: Illinois' uh, law is actually a biometric, you know, anti-biometric uh, law.
2: I thought that covered facial recognition does. too, doesn't it? It does. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: In fact, uh, Walmart had to pay a $10 million fine to resolve its uh, lawsuit um, they were asking workers to scan their handprints. Uh, a court has allowed a uh, lawsuit against Apple to go ahead uh, using uh, Illinois' protections. So this has been very effective. In fact, we all kind of, I think, owe a little debt of gratitude to Illinois because that was a very forward-thinking uh, law. And we've all benefited because, of course, nobody nobody wants to... Uh, do, do business in everywhere except Illinois. Six yeah. Flags America, $36 million settlement over the park's use of finger scan entry gates. Um, so mm. it's, it's been very effective, very effective. Uh, also, uh, that Florida law <laughs> that said if you're a social network, you can't ban politicians unless you own an amusement park has been struck down. Uh, wait, wait. Did, what
2: is that? What is this law?
0: You haven't heard about this one? Oh, no. this is a good one. <laughs> Once again, Rick DeSantis just showing he is in the forefront. Ron DeSantis, I always call him Rick. Ron DeSantis passed a, a this uh, was a. By the way, the Republican uh, Florida uh, legislature was you know overwhelmingly in favor of this. So the state can fine large social media companies a quarter million dollars a day. If they remove an account of a statewide political candidate, $25,000 a day if they remove an account of someone running for local office. Obviously, this is a response to Twitter and Facebook deplatforming the former president. Um, but on the face of it, it violates a couple of important precepts in federal law, one being the First Amendment. The, the other uh, being uh, a regulation that states cannot regulate interstate commerce the uh, u s District judge granted a preliminary injunction stopping the new law from being enforced the day before it was to take effect on thursday hmm. uh, now it 's a preliminary injunction, so the suit will go ahead and uh, but it seems unlikely that this will uh and it, i don 't think the intent ever was to have it be a law because it did exempt <coughs> anybody who owned an amusement park. <laughs> which which I think Disney is a pretty big, uh, important company in Florida. I, I might be wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so uh, the loon law was aimed at social media businesses and made exemptions for Disney and their apps by including the, the provision that theme park owners would not be subject to the <laughs> law. <laughs> Well, um, Disney
2: is full of biometrics and full of. Uh,
0: this is um, not biometrics. Oh, yeah. this is, yeah, no, no, this
2: no. Is... But I meant just like using PIs and oh, remember, gatekeeping and stage gating the whole thing. For a
0: while, uh, Disney wanted to use your thumbprint for their for their FastPass uh, technology, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and we uh, on Security Now, Steve Gibson said, "Don't give them your thumbprint. Do do an elbow instead." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it worked, but the problem with that, of course. For those who just want a little explication, is you can't, you can change a lot of things, but you can't change your face and you can't change your yeah. thumb. And so you're giving them biometric information that is mm. permanent. And uh, if they don't keep track of that database, that could be problematic.
1: <laughs> You know, it's worse. It's it's your face. So even if you're wearing a mask at Disney, uh, then it's going to tra- track you by either the magic band or the app that you have to have to, to do everything to get food right now with COVID. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're basically entering 1984 when you go to Disney World. I'm sorry to say.
0: Yeah. Uh, when signing the bill into law in May, Governor Ron DeSantis said Silicon Valley companies were exerting unprecedented power over the American people when you deplatform, quote, when you deplatform the president of the United States, but you let Ayatollah, Ayatollah Khomeini talk about killing Jews. That is wrong. Um, and the governor said we are disappointed by Judge Hinkle's ruling and disagree with his determination that the U.S. Constitution protects big tech's censorship of certain individuals and content over others, they're going to appeal to the 11th Circuit, which will also throw it out instantly. Uh, Qualcomm is working on an M1 competitor. So you talked about how, oh, uh, you know, that Apple M1 is very compelling. Intel doesn't have anything like it. Qualcomm's CEO, their new CEO, Cristiano Amon, says, uh no, we're, we're going to work on a uh, chip that will compete with the M1. They acquired a startup called Nuvia, founded by former Apple employees who had worked on the M1 for $1.4 billion. <laughs> $1. <laughs> $1. <laughs> so um there you How go. did
1: Adam work out? Can someone jog my memory oh, on Lord. that? Oh, yeah. Lord. Oh, Lord. Have any of Intel's, like, scale? excursions into yeah, this space? Yeah, remember the mobile yeah.
0: scale processor? Yeah, no, Intel has yeah. no... But maybe Qualcomm. I mean, they make arm chips that are very low power that's what's in, yeah. in your fine samsung device uh it's possible that they could come up mm-hmm. with something that they, they, their desktop uh so far their desktop chips have been uninspiring with this was it the cx yeah um, not very powerful uh yeah. i'm sure microsoft would love to see something because windows on arm is at this point hard to use very slow
1: Definitely. I mean, there's, uh, you know, I just bought like a $3,400 laptop and my biggest complaint with it is... How do you like that? that oh, I'm sorry, I keep it... It, it gets Go very ahead. hot very quickly. Yes, no, that's the problem. It's, it's good. It's an i7 yeah.
0: or is it an AMD? Uh,
1: it's an i9, i9. Uh, so it's Intel, but it's got the RTX uh, 3080 in it, the notebook version of that. That's one thing which Apple's going to have yeah. a
0: hard time. Because their GPUs will all be in the M1 chip or whatever its successors are. Well,
1: and the problem is it's not even the chip technology. It's the game developers are choosing to work with that. Like, look at Apple Arcade. I like Apple Arcade. There's no game there that I would call visually Impressed. No, not at all. Yeah. I, there hasn't been anything. Can really you compare with, I
2: don't think they're designing those games though for gamers. I think no, they're, they're designing them games. For, That's my
1: yeah, point. And yeah, this is yeah. why you've got to have a PC. I, I've just given up on Apple making you know, the kind of games I want to play. They make some great pleasant distractions uh, on Apple Arcade, but it's just not its not a core gaming experience.
0: So I was really excited about Stadia and xCloud and uh, <laughs> and uh, GeForce Now. These are the streaming services. I tried, uh, xCloud just came out for uh, the iPad for any browser. I tried it on my iPad Pro with an M1 chip in it and uh, it was stuttering like crazy. I was trying to play yeah. Sea of Thieves. It was just unacceptable. But I'm hoping yeah. xCloud will get better. Stadia was pretty decent. I played um Cyberpunk on it and it it was the only way I could play Cyberpunk. <laughs> and uh it it was pretty decent. It wasn't as good as a console or PC would be, but it was if you if you have a device like an iPad, at least you could play those games, right?
1: Yeah, I just, I, I feel like for Apple to, and for Microsoft rather to really compete with things like the M1, the issue is the latency, right? Yeah. Like you were talking earlier, Leo, about people that are angry that they're only supporting devices that are you know, roughly two years old. That's great to have a lot of that, but by chopping off like the end of it, you can move forward and you can make the UI more responsive because the, the, the layer is thinner. Yes. And I yes. just... I, I think I, I want to see Microsoft be more aggressive with some of their products
0: in that well, way to really, truly compete. Here's some good news. The blue screen of death in Windows 11 will now be black. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, who's, uh, whose UI decision was uh, that? Microsoft's uh, <laughs> the, the black screen of death. There it is. That's awesome.
2: Um, the QR code's blue.
0: Yeah, maybe that's why. They wanted a better contrast with the QR code, which will do absolutely... By the way, scan it. Go ahead. Absolutely useless. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just. I guess it's to make you feel better about Actually, it. it's kind
2: of smart because the blue screen of death is associated with Microsoft, which is blue. And if you want to associate your brand a little bit less with, with catastrophic failure...
0: Well, <laughs> and if you're <laughs> going to have a screen of death, shouldn't it be black? Really? I mean... <laughs> Shouldn't be pink.
2: I got it. I got Apple's screen of death. Uh, Ooh, gosh, that's great. ago, that one's great. It it was. Uh, yeah, that was that was horrible. I I had bad spent feelings. three days rebuilding my machine. Was it hardware?
0: No, it was software.
2: I thought I. I don't know if I told you this or not. It was a weird, um, uh, possibly a NAS related time oh. machine backup issue, or oh. possibly I bought like really bad RAM.
0: That's what it was. It. Bad RAM. Yeah. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah.
1: yeah. How they do you like your Razer besides
0: being a laptop yeah. heater? Yeah. Is it good?
1: It's it, it's It runs Unreal 5 very well. Uh, Unreal Engine 5, it's, it's still in preview, so we can't really evaluate what's in there yet. But for everything I've seen, it runs Unreal Engine 4 really, really well. Um, for me... A lot of the way I learn new features is by sitting down and just experimenting while I'm watching Netflix. So I wanted something I could, you know, mess around with Blueprint or, or new APIs or things like that while I'm watching TV in the den. So <laughs> that's why I got it.
0: When are I, when are we going to see Unreal Five games? I Unreal Five is so beautiful. Very soon.
1: Yeah, who I think will, it's, who will uh, be the first you can Uncharted it or. What will, what will? No, um, they use their own engine. Oh, okay. uh, the uh, oh, what's the Uncharted team? I'm spacing it right now. Uh, they use their own proprietary engine. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is going to be a big success, which is I'm why Apple's I mean, lawsuit is kind of ill-advised. The
0: Apple Epic lawsuit. Uh, I just yep. it's stunning what uh, Unreal Five just looks so yeah real. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and of course it mm-hmm. won't appear on any Apple devices because of the Apple Epic battle. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the 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 apps themselves could theoretically end up there. I think the question that I would have is, you know, investing in making Unreal Engine work on Apple is a, a very expensive proposition. So, do you have faith in that relationship right. enough to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars? Literally, um, I can say for the studio we're thinking about. Uh, no, I, I personally would not do that. Uh, what's really interesting, what I'm trying to figure out is the actual game development pipeline, like some of the things, like the number of tries you see up close uh, for some things in Unreal Engine. How do you take that and put that in a viable uh, Unreal Engine pipeline? Uh, is it just an LOD trick? That's all the things that we're trying to figure out right now.
0: Have you tried, uh, as, a, as a coder, uh, mm-hmm. Microsoft's new GitHub Copilot?
1: I've not, but I've heard such good things about
0: it. It's your I first, when I first saw this, your AI pair programmer. I thought it said your O pair programmer. I thought, wow, <laughs> that would be an interesting O pair. No, it, the idea is as you're as you're writing something, uh, your co your pair programming. Normally, pair programming mm-hmm. is two programmers in the same editor working together. In this case, mm-hmm. Copilot is an artificial intelligence watching you work, making suggestions. For code, you might want to use. So it's Clippy. It's Clippy <laughs> without the without the annoying. I see you're writing an a login sequence. Would you like? Apparently, it will. It's but already people are saying, hold on there. Uh, this is one tweet I saw from um, Armin Ronacher. He says, I don't want to say anything, but that's not the right license, Mr. Copilot. <laughs> he's, he's actually, Copilot is typing in a, a hack for square roots from uh, Quake. Wow. And, and as it types it in, it says copyright 2015, all rights reserved, redistribution and use and source with or without modification and permitted only if you do all of these things.
2: So wait, where's the corpus? Where's it pulling that in from?
0: That's oh, a good Git? question. Not- people are wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, some like, people. Where, are what's point-
2: their repository?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. They say they're going through a lot of different code bases. Um,
1: they famously open sourced Quake many years ago. John Carmack put a lot of political capital on the line to make that happen. So that actually doesn't surprise me. That's there. I think it was, that's awesome. It was from that, Quake Three
0: Quake. Arena. Yeah. Um, there. By the way, uh, if you actually, you, you might want to watch more closely. I can't read the comment, but you. If let me make this full screen so you can perhaps see it. There is a profane comment in this fast inverse square root routine, where the guy offers a constant in hex, and the comment is "What the f?" <laughs> and then I saw on Hacker News actually that's not even the right constant, so you might not want to use. That code, people famously paste in code from Stack Overflow um, uh, all the time, uh, causing, you know, the lawyers to to wonder. This "This seems
2: like a uh, vulnerability or a way for somebody to insert janky code. Seems like a bad idea. Backdoor, like
0: all,
1: like, this seems, this seems concerning. I, I don't know. I think pair programming can be a really viable pipeline. With port, a human. Especially with a human. With a human. Yeah, with a person. Is, yeah. but with an moment, AI.
2: Or they just need to, like, the, the before this thing gets much further, they ought to, like, show everybody where where the code yeah. bases are. Like, where are they pulling yeah. from? They, they probably have an accountability chain.
0: yeah. There, there's issues about, questions about, not necessarily issues, but questions about the license. Uh, one of the developers says GitHub Copilot is a code synthesizer, not a search engine. The vast majority of the code it suggests is uniquely generated and has never been seen before. But so, uh, Like
2: GPT-3, but make it code? yeah
0: Yeah. I That's, don't know. So
2: you still, it's yeah. still going to start with a, some kind of corpus for training. And I, I don't know. But they need to... I, maybe it's there. I, I don't know. But I, I would think that they should should. Disclose. Let me see if
0: they say, powered by Codex, the new AI system created by OpenAI, which created GPT. So oh, it may go. be a GPT-like, uh, I don't know if it's using GAN or what. Uh, <laughs> we've always thought that computers at some point would be writing their own code. Says, well,
2: DeepMind, yeah. I mean, that we saw beginnings of this, right? But it was couple years ago and and uh alpha zero was writing its own child programs and and developing its own strategy
0: one of the things Mm. they ask they suggest you do is write a comment describing the logic you want and then let copilot write the code for you um some of these things should be easy to do things like repetitive code it'll have autofill just like you know excel does basically tests without the toil it'll automatically write test code for you which is a good Ooh. thing right that's good yeah uh want to evaluate a few different approaches copilot can show you a list of solutions but where is the uh, description of where this where the what, what is the training set is that what you're asking amy
2: yeah
0: yeah it's uh, what, what it says code. yeah it looks like here the training set is public code and text on the internet
2: yeah so like let's click on that Somebody and make a list to
0: show us what that is. Yeah, um, training set.
1: I, I feel like I'm am less pessimistic. I would I would like to try this and see if it's giving you useful suggestions. I mean, you know, the way pair programming works is you write something and then maybe someone sitting next to you sees a way to do it in fewer cycles, right? Like uh, really lightly refactoring it. If it's more of that, I could see it being useful. If it's just pasting in garbage. <laughs> Maybe a little bit less useful, but I think it's interesting. It's it's certainly a technology I would like to see us start developing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I love the idea. OpenAI is doing some interesting things. They they said that they've trained this on uh, publicly available data, and they can say that means it's considered fair use. Mm -hmm. So you can reuse this code because it's fair use. Uh, it's been trained on a selection of English language and source code from publicly available sources, including clode in public repositories on GitHub. Now, just be, you know, by the way, if you have a free account on GitHub, your repositories are generally public. That doesn't make it open source. That doesn't mean it's licensed. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. You know, I would say don't use the use it whole cloth, but maybe if you get an insight yeah. from it, then you can write your own code yeah. around it. Who owns the code GitHub Copilot helps me write? GitHub, this is from their frequently asked questions. Mm. Copilot is a tool like a compiler or a pen. The suggestions Copilot generates and the code you write with its help belong to you. And you are responsible for it. We recommend that you carefully test <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, well, no,
2: but that, that's an interesting question because then does does the code that you write become part of that code base? Yeah. That, yeah. that, that is then used, you know what I Maybe. mean? Maybe.
0: GitHub Copilot, because it was trained on publicly available code, its training set included public personal data. For our internal testing, we found it to be rare that suggestions include personal data verbatim from the training set. However, <laughs> there is that risk. So
2: this, this is getting worse the more you
1: read, Liam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a technical preview. You can sign up for it. I want you to try it next time you're watching Netflix, uh, Brianna. And,
1: uh, I, I will give it a go. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I mean... I think if it's not looking at what you're writing and adding that, like using it to train itself to figure out what's useful or what's not useful, that would be giving up like the biggest tool it has to refine itself. So obviously I would assume your code is going to go into it and to help it train. So I mean, that's just an assumption on my part. So that's very, that would give me serious pause.
0: Here's a, a great story from stars and stripes. I wish Oh, I, could- I love this. Isn't this great? So, as you know, we're withdrawing from Afghanistan. Bagram Airfield has now been completely given back to the uh, Afghanis. But apparently the airmen there played a lot of Pokemon Go. (laughs) And you can, by, you know, doing some, you know, uh, location shifting, go look at the various gyms. Here's the Air Force gym at Bagram Airfield It was hit by mortar fire later. Uh, you can. There are still uh, uh, Pokemon uh, gyms that are held by servicemen that are no longer there. Bagram once had a thriving Pokemon Go community of troops, contractors, and civilians who played the game while exercising and after work. Uh, U.S. Army Specialist Corey Olson, an electrical technician for attack helicopters, who played the game with his his buds from his shop in 2019 says we weren't expecting pokemon go to be thriving in bagram and yet it was and by the way if you play pokemon go in afghanistan you're going to catch some monsters you can't get in the united states <laughs> here is a uh, pokemon guarding a location uh much longer than uh, they normally would because nobody else is playing anymore so you can be down to two health points and still just just be sitting there <laughs> Nobody's taking over the gyms. I got to get my wife to go over there. She's always looking for gyms that are abandoned. Uh,
1: yeah, Frank is beyond addicted to this game, too. So, I deeply, really? deeply regret introducing it to uh, him. Yeah, I feel like such a hypocrite, Leo, because it's like, yeah, I like I just sat down and spent like you know 60 hours beating Neo, too, right? So then complaining at Frank for playing like Pokemon he, Go. It's exactly. complete hypocrisy.
0: But I'm glad Lisa plays Pokemon Go because she can't say anything about my Valheim. So, you know, it works. Both- <laughs> we were at the bookstore, a bookstore yesterday, and the clerk says, oh, I like your keychain. It's a Pokeball. And Lisa says, oh, that's no keychain. That's an actual Pokeball. I'm yep. playing Pokemon yep. Go as I walk around. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the clerk thought that was super cool. <laughs> uh, one last story, then we're going to wrap it up uh, for the 4th of July weekend, which is coming strong. I hope there's some hot dogs and hamburgers on the grill. Um, Tim Berners-Lee, as you know, offered the, an NFT for his source code, For the World Wide Web, Um, it has been sold. The final bid, $5.4 million. Wow! Unidentified buyer. He sold it at Sotheby's. The opening bid was $1,000 back in June 23rd. There were a flurry of bids in the closing minutes. Profits go towards causes chosen by Sir Tim and his wife. You would get a time-stamped file of the source code, an animated video of the code being written, a letter from Sir Tim, and a digital poster of the cold code. I think whoever bought it probably didn't buy it to make money on it, but just to support his causes. But he should be aware there is an HTML error in the code as written. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, when they made the animation it uh encoded some of the html oh no left bracket oh. right bracket as ampersand lt and ampersand gt uh the poster has been corrected and apparently they've fixed the animation <laughs> so mm. <laughs> i don't know this the question now is does the, did the nft that you bought does that have the error in it <laughs> cuz they can't change it now so yeah. um I don't know uh, if it was actually they can't change it once the NFT is cr- is created. You know, then it, that freezes it. It's immutable. It's immutable. Yeah. So it's my guess that that error will uh, will be in there. But that's, uh, uh... Have you
1: seen the? Have
2: you seen the website where you can uh, sell? You know, I don't remember the name of this, and I feel like it might have been Kevin Rose who told me. It. Oh, I know what
0: you're you going to tell me.
2: You can like sell your. You can have people trade on yourself, on you? Yes. What is that oh. called? On
0: your Twitter account. Oh.
2: Yeah. What is that called?
0: Uh, I'm going to look it up because I, uh, I went after over there. he
2: really? After he told me, I, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll see. Did you and, do it? Um, yeah, it was demoralizing. Like, literally nobody cared.
0: <laughs> well, you didn't get on <laughs> Twitter to publicize it.
2: Um, I don't see how I benefit
0: at You all. don't benefit in any way. Okay. Good. Nobody gives you money.
2: <laughs> good. Then it was you know in in the algorithm where I I assess my time spent it was, and, it was and revenue generated. Worthwhile. That was really really good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the company's name, and I'm looking for it. We did talk about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying
2: to remember. Anyways,
0: do you talk to Kevin Leo, are on you? a regular basis?
2: Uh, every now and then. Yeah. You nice. know, after after that episode, that last episode, um, I'm now sleeping on an eight sleep bed. Nice. Yeah, Kevin but, is it, a wealth uh, they, of
0: information on stuff like that.
2: They just pushed a new uh, update to their app, which is terrible. So if anybody at 8 a- B- Sleep is listening, please, please, please fix the jankiness. Uh, it was good before and now it is challenging. Yeah. Um, this is the it's, problem
0: it's with awesome. IoT mattresses. Yeah. <laughs> the mattress succeeds, lives on, but the software... The
2: fails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will tell you, though, i, I sleep I sleep great. I sleep great nice. with a
0: thermal regulation. Co- that's cooling is very important, isn't it? And
2: heating. I cook myself a sl- awake.
0: Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so you chill yourself to sleep and you cook yourself to wake.
2: I do. And I, I haven't woken up to an actual alarm uh, in months. So I'm up at 540 wow. every morning. So the software,
0: own. so the whole idea of these, of these mattresses, 8sleep.com spelled out, is it, it, it uh, lets you control the temperature. Wow. In the mattress and with it has heating and cooling coils. So the Mm -hmm. software you're saying, the software, Amy says, okay, when you want to go to sleep and it cools the mattress and then when you want to wake up and it heats it up. But it
2: gives you a bunch of other metrics like what your REM cycles were, what your uh, respiration is, what your heartbeat is, um, makes suggestions for how to get more restful sleep. It's actually. Up until this, I'm sure they're going to fix whatever the problem was. Um, and actually, they would be a good advertiser for this show because I'm sure everybody listening is this is their kind of. And you don't thing. have
0: to buy the mattress; you can just get a. Pod no, Pro no. We cover. Didn't, in fact, because
2: yeah. we love our, we have a really nice mattress. Oh, so, so you instead, didn't get
0: the mattress; you got the cover.
2: No, I didn't. No, we just have a cover.
0: That's a lot more um, affordable, I'm sure.
2: It is, yeah. and and if you've got a mattress that you really love, you don't need oh. the whole. Thing. Holy cow! Huh. I
0: Look have a cat. Ca- I love my Casper. I'm not sure I'm gonna spend one thousand eight hundred ninety five dollars for a mattress pad, but I guess you need it because it's got I, a big heating unit and all that stuff.
2: I, my husband and I both, and he he has a weighted thermal blanket, and I just have a. I sleep under a twenty pound blanket. Yeah, I'm I'm sleeping better than I've ever slept, and I oh, I had chronic insomnia. Wow. You
0: know what's the time. what is it worth to sleep well? I mean, absolutely, yeah,
1: definitely, Up
0: any price. Sleep right?
2: tech is like is. Under, like, if you if you're like in the know, um, then then you you become how, a super geek overnight. But how hot you spend
0: a, how hot do you have to get it to be to wake up?
2: So I have mine set to plus eight. I don't know what the actual temperature ah, is, but I, okay. I think so it's a little around warm. 115. It's not like 115 degrees.
0: Okay, so it's eight above <laughs> your body temperature. It's not about making you so uncomfortable oh you do get hot
2: yeah no, no no I get like so uncomfortable that I I, I don't know what the act it might be 120 I don't know but um no no it's it's like you want to be up because you're it's but too it's hot not, yeah but I you wake up and you're like I'm like awake I'm ready I'm well rested I'm versus tempted. like jolting awake to an alarm clock when your body's not quite you know you haven't gradually come out of your sleep I hate yet. alarm
0: clocks yeah yeah. yeah. So this was the number one way you got rid of your insomnia or there were other?
2: Tricks? No, no, no. Uh years of cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Um also My son is going through this.
0: He cannot <laughs> sleep all night. He cannot. He yeah. lies awake a long long time. And I, I so feel I like he's with, suffering uh, because of it. So anything else? Yeah. So
2: Bose Bose makes some
0: um, I have headphones. those. That those ridiculous earbuds it makes sound. Yeah, yeah.
2: I also use those. I, I sleep I I work with brown noise during the day and I sleep with pink noise at night.
1: So. See, I found the trick, uh, the way I hacked my insomnia cuz Amy, I'm exactly like you. I just have fought it for years is I found out if I get an audiobook that I really 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 know well like something I've, I've read so many times I kind of can guess what the next sentence is like going expanse, to be. the Expanse, yes. Like the Expanse. This is why I've listened to it so much. Um, what I do is I, I crack an audible file. I hope I can say that on here. I, I own it legally uh, and then turn it into an MP3 and I put it on an iPod touch and then I, I get earbuds and I listen to this novel again and again all night long. Oh. And the way it, the way that reason the hack works is because when you get busy brain at like three in the morning it's because you're thinking like oh I've got to do this tomorrow I've got to do this tomorrow I've got to do this tomorrow but if it's a story you've listened to a ton then you can kind of follow it but you can also drift off and just start thinking about random things and this has been the the magic bullet yeah, for my I, insomnia put, listening to books I think that's like a sleep, linguistic
0: but I don't, want to, I don't want to miss anything so yeah. I love that idea listen to something you already heard yeah it's, it's like linguistic, linguistic
1: uh,
2: counting, right? So, like counting so, sheep, you mean? Right. Most people who count already know how to count. You already know sequentially what's coming next, right? Right. So it's Ooh. it's reducing the processing power. And and when you're focused on a single thing, um, all of the chatter, you know, gets quiet.
0: Chatter is the problem, isn't it?
2: Chatter is the yeah. problem.
0: Yeah. I find as I they, get older, this, my mind is just an empty slate now. So I, just, <laughs> I
2: go... <laughs> hey Leo, before we go, can I ask you one last question? Yes. So, can have you NFTed? Is there a I NFT'd have never
0: NFTed. <laughs> I am proud. Are you to going say, to never gonna? We, uh, no? John uh, dug up a bunch of old recordings. He said, "You know, we could turn these into NFTs. You know, the first Twitter, or me exploding my yeah. ball or whatever." And I just I, it feels a little scammy to me, so I didn't. Are yeah. you? Why do you want to know? Do you want to make an NFT?
2: No, I was just curious. It feels a little, you know, of the moment.
0: It's a little of the moment. Yeah. Actually, funny you should say that because remember when uh, Kevin was uh, immersing himself in liquid nitrogen or something? Dude? Yeah. yeah. That was a big fad, right? Uh, a mm-hmm. friend of mine just rented a space in Marin that was a former cryo facility and they just left. They left 250 bathrobes, all the tanks, everything. Just they they skipped town. It was over. The whole fat huh. is gone, and I think Marin, this is not a
2: thing people aren't. Freezing I think Marin is anymore. a yeah.
0: I think Marin is a bellwether for the future of cryo uh, tech, cryo fitness. Um, oh my goodness! Ha- actually, Miss Futurist, how about yeah. this one? I'm wondering. We've been talking about this a lot in the family. Vat uh, grown meat. There is a Israeli yeah. company about that is looking for FDA approval to mm-hmm. start growing meat in bioreactors future meat is talking with u.s regulators to start offering its products in restaurants by the end of next year Mm -hmm. cellular meat so
2: (laughs) this is actually kind of awesome it is not the same thing as a plant-based burger that like you would get from impossible so this is meat cultured from the uh, so it's got it It shares genetic material right with the original animal, so whether that's a chicken or a salmon or a beef um and rather than it growing in an energy intensive resource intensive oftentimes incredibly inhumane space instead it's um it's just a it vat. brewed yeah. it's brewed in a in a bioreactor, and uh chicken nuggets have already gone on sale in Singapore, you can get meat. a chicken eat that's just right. chicken nugget. That's right. So it is chicken meat, but it, it never had a heartbeat. It, it never came from an actual animal. And I will probably get in a lot of trouble for saying this on your show, but I'm going to do it anyways. In the book that I just wrote, there's a, there are scenario chapters in the middle uh, to describe what does the future of, of synthetic biology, which is what we're talking about, look like. And I wanted to write a, a chapter a scenario set in like the 2030s that had to do with how how we will um, brew our food rather than growing it on a traditional farm. And so that chapter is called Akira Gold's uh, Where to Eat, 2032 and it's a restaurant guide. <laughs> it's a restaurant guide and like it like rates the best bioreactors and the best molecular uh, whiskies and uh, Do you
0: think people will be making it in the back room like they'll be growing uh, their No, meat?
2: this is it's not that. This is I mean it has to be highly sanitized. It requires yeah. robots, 5G, high tech
0: stuff. Plus Plus if you just grew undifferentiated chicken muscle cells. Right, it's not that. That wouldn't be any good. I mean, I no. want I mean meat has to have more than just the same cells.
2: Right. Okay, this, this is not gross. This is, I mean, I know it sounds gross. Oh, I don't gross, even mean it not, would be
0: gross. It just wouldn't, we need fat. We need skin.
2: Yeah. So, but you can program that, right? So you could uh-huh. genetically engineer marbling. You can, I mean, it's very, that's it, the you question. Can, it's, okay. You can't, you will be able to, and it's plausible, Leo, that, that, you know, 10 years from now, oh, the, freshest, yeah. the, the freshest sushi yeah. um, that, that you can get will not necessarily be flown in from no, Japan. We're overfishing.
0: Bio- we're killing yeah. our oceans. That's right. Uh, That's right. Cows are terrible for the environment. That's right. But we want to eat meat. So this might be yeah. a, a great, by the way, guess who right. the big investors are in future meat? Tyson Foods, Archer Daniels Arno. Midland, big yeah. meat producers. You know, they see right. the future
2: and and again like i i this this future can't come fast enough as far as i'm concerned and, the, and and i just want to say one quick thing because people start to get squeamish and they conflate this science with gmo and and genetically modified mm-hmm. organisms you know which we heard a lot about in the 90s became highly highly politicized i hope
0: you're debunking but, that in the book as
2: well i absolutely am i absolutely Good. am and um you know the we have to we have to keep our minds open here because we're not going to make it alone on our on our own in the current conditions we have on this planet and quite frankly as exciting as it is that that Bezos and and Branson and Musk and you know everybody's lining up to to you know go into to space i mean how plausible is it that we're going to lift everybody off this planet onto another one and somehow escape all of our problems we're not going to not so gonna, we have to come nope. up with much yeah. more sophisticated solutions And synthetic biology and what you're talking about, which is is, uh, meat, cellular meat grown in a bioreactor, brewed in a bioreactor, is something we ought to celebrate and be excited about.
0: The wonderful Amy Webb. I love The Signals Are Talking. Her latest book is The Big Nine. What's the name of this new one and when is it going to be out? You showed us the manuscript before the show began. You're Um, done. Are you done?
2: (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. It's called The Genesis Machine. Um, it launches on February 15th and some of the, we've gotten some unbelievably amazing reviews so far. Um, I can't, I I really can't wait for everybody to read it. Well, we'll
0: have you, uh, let's do a special triangulation, uh, when it comes out, because I would really love to spend some time. It's all about things like MRNA and CRISPR and uh, all of the things that we're doing. How are we about to experience an elbow, a hockey stick, a revolution in biotech. Yes.
2: yes, we are. Um, so there's there's trillions of dollars invested in the bioeconomy. Um, the best way to sort of understand where we are right now is if you, if you remember uh, the, the story of, of, of um, Watson being on stage and like making the very first or Alexander Graham Bell being on the stage and making the first uh, telephone call, you know, and everybody it, it, in Chickering Hall. Um, in new york and and people watching this exchange and thinking it was some kind of hoax and they demanded to go behind um behind the stage to see what was happening to, to see the the magical genie or whatever you know and when they realized it was real it, it completely blew up everybody's mental model for for what it meant to talk to each other so sick you know and and, and today you, there is no way to to Create a valuation for tele- telecommunications. It, it is right. It's a basic technology. It's a fundamental part of our economy. Um, we're at the Chickering Hall stage of synthetic biology. Wow! Which means that you're going to start to see significant development over the next decade. Some of that is investment, but some of that is just compute. We we finally have the machines that we need, and now a proven business case and a use case because mnra the messenger rna that's in moderna and Pfizer biointech was in development for 10 years for a different purpose um but but that is synth bio so it's saved
0: is, our planet or is in the it process totally of it.
2: as far as i'm concerned like ai is important it's the third era of computing but the most important technology of the 21st century is biology
0: so can't wait to read the book Always a thrill I, I, to have you on. Go ahead, uh, thank Brianna.
1: You. No, no, no. I was, yeah, the thing is, uh, this is Frank's field, and sometimes I can't talk about stuff, uh, but I just agree with everything you just said.
0: <laughs> He's working in this arena. This but, is, this is what my husband com, does for a, for a living. Yeah.
1: That's correct. Oh my God, like we should when, get together and have a uh, yeah. separate chat. Yeah. We should. like when, yeah. when Frank is, when he was working on you know, the delivery aspect of the Moderna vaccine, I couldn't talk about that. And there are other things I can't talk about today. But I agree with you. This is an interesting area of science. Well,
0: please thank Frank because thanks <laughs> to him, I'm going to be able to go to Hawaii in a week and I'm going to be able to go to there Mexico go. in the fall. And there I'm you go. I'm be able to go to Singapore and have a chicken yep. McNugget in January, I'll be I'll be there.
2: I'll meet you
0: there. Oh yeah, when in, when are you gonna be there? Let, I don't know. We, I don't have any plans, but there. I would go. Oh okay. <laughs> I I have to find this store wherever it is and get. I want to taste this meat because I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated by this. we're going to be in Singapore in early February.
2: Oh uh, okay. Valentine's well, thought, Day. Actually. So I will. Um, I'll I'll send you some stuff.
0: Good. Valentine's yeah. Day in Singapore. Meet us. <laughs> you too, Brianna i love it <laughs> m-e-a-t us. Meet, us meet us brianna Wu is at rebellion pack give us a plug tell us about rebellion pack
1: so you know uh just to really be honest with you leo i would rather be developing games right now but uh i'm looking at the <laughs> midterm numbers yeah, and they're scaring me i agree with you and um you know something i learned running for office is you really underestimate. you have no idea how bad a lot of political operatives are and their levels of technological I think we're literacy to learn. so yeah i i don't know if i agree with that actually um oh. from what i see so okay. for what rebellion is doing uh we actually just it's almost like a seed round. We're working on a really exciting. We have a, a major donor that got involved and is letting us uh, do a bunch of stuff with a really big data play uh, to start using these really advanced analytics uh, for political messaging and basically getting voters out to uh, to to show up. That's the $100 million question. And, yeah, I feel like if we don't seriously figure this out, um, I, I have real fears about the the country. So if you want to uh, support us, you can do that by going to helptherebellion.com. And I look forward to a future show where I could talk to you about the nitty gritty <laughs> of what we're doing because it's really awesome stuff,
0: Leo. And you are working on games, right? I mean, last time we talked, I am. yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I got Unreal Engine 5, and it's one of these things I'm working on in the background uh, just to be really frank with you, uh right after a race, uh, it's a little slower for the first year. So I actually have spare time right now. Nice. So um you know, I'm looking on real engine seeing if I want to start a game studio. But yeah, you know, then we started working on this data plant, Rebellion. It is There's, it is
0: crazy stuff. One of the things unfortunately that happens, especially as you get older in life, is you realize you're not yep. gonna have enough time to do everything you want to.
1: Yeah, uh, yep. Absolutely.
0: And I don't want to choose. <laughs> <laughs> if you write another, uh, if you write a Valheim, the next Valheim, I'll be ready because I am done. I finished the game and I'm very depressed. I, <laughs> I have to find my next game. Brianna Wu, always a pleasure. Amy Webb, uh, when we were trying to figure out what we should do for the 3rd of July uh, special Saturday edition of Twit, I said, look, just get Amy and Brianna on and uh, my job will be very easy. You two are Amazing, So smart. So interesting. Thank you so much for spending this Saturday with me. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. We Thanks do, for having us. Yeah. Great to have you. We do twit uh, normally on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, in fact, we'll be back on our Sunday afternoon schedule starting next week. 2.30 uh, p.m. Pacific, 5.30 Eastern, 21.30 UTC. You can watch us do it live. There's a live stream, audio or video at twit.tv live. If you're watching live, chat live at irc.twit.tv. Club Twit members are also chatting live in our Discord. That's another place you can go. Uh, We sometimes take comments and questions from our uh, Discord stage. We have lots of great conversations all day, all night. And, of course, ad-free versions of the show, twit.tv slash club twit. After the fact, on-demand versions of every show we do, including this one, are available in a number of places on the web at our website, twit.tv. There's a YouTube channel for each of our shows, including this one. You can watch the shows there. Not in 8K, I'm sorry to say, but not even in 4K, but 720p, okay? I mean, uh, there's not that much to see anyway. You can also uh, subscribe in your favorite podcast player, uh, audio and video. Please do. Uh, that way you'll get it automatically the minute it's available. And uh, if you would, leave us a review. Five-star review would be much appreciated. Spread the word. That helps us quite a bit. Thank you all for being here. Have a great day. For those of you living in the U.S., have a great Independence Day. Enjoy your 4th of July. I think this year there's some real cause for celebration and reflection. And I hope you do both. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll be back uh, next week. Thanks, everybody. Another twit is in the can.
1: This amazing.